Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ed Kramer, CGI artist from Industrial Light and Magic. I worked on the Scarabs from The Mummy, the Rock Monster from Galaxy Quest, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast. Unofficially, unofficially uh, the official <laughs> <laughs> You son of a bitch. Unofficially the official podcast of pop, uh, Denver Pop Culture Con 2019, uh, which is very, very soon. Two weeks from now. <laughs> and beyond. I am a host, James, and I am joined as sometimes by... Brad. And... The guy who's not in the middle of a power struggle, and, but also Zach. <laughs> and Ryan is not here, uh, which is why I started it and what i've i jumped it into the middle of us having a conversation about roland emmerich's godzilla which is fine it's fine it's just fine there's some fun stuff in there it's fine the th- it's actually great and then the third act happens with like the vaudevillian velociraptors and that part's not great was, but the rest of it is fine was roland emmerich a big fan of the simpsons because like nearly everybody from the simpsons is in that movie yes it's pretty. I, I have it's, to assume so. It, yes. It's pretty astounding how many um, how many people he got into that room. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish that that uh, animal had in fact been played by Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I think it's great. Godzilla. But I have to. I have to buy the Blu-ray because Brooks really likes like big monster movies, which was surprising. And you're going to show her that one? Well, I own all of them. Oh, okay. Like I own all the great, I, I, except for like. Some of the historical ones that are, you know, probably really good. You don't have the original like, Godzilla. Um, uh, no, I think I have that one. Okay. What I what I mean is like I don't have, you know, uh, the ten thousand story tall woman or like some of those ones. Attack of the fifty foot woman. Right, like some of those ones that are like old old films that might actually be good classics. Them, you know, I've never <laughs> seen. Yeah, yeah, them is a good them example. Is a I've never one. seen them. Yeah, yeah. You should um, tell her it's a prequel to King of the Monsters coming out <laughs> next month. Oh god. Well, no, she's seen the real prequel to King of the Monsters. Um, you should be like 
Did you know that this is also in the this same universe? Actually, <laughs> yeah. This one's going to have Matthew Broderick reprising his role as an asshole. <laughs> but James, the, the studio says Columbia Pictures, and I'm pretty sure Warner Brothers Pictures is doing the new ones. Things changed hands over the between the nineties <laughs> and now. Don't 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 pay attention to it. Th- that's the problem. Just don't pay attention. You to educated them. you educated hey, Brooks yeah, way yeah. too much. Hedge him out. Hedge him out. Hedge him out. Hedge him out. Hold you're on the wires. I'm hearing you. Uh, you educated her too much yeah, in movies, so now she's going to know the difference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. Godzilla. It's fine. Yeah. Uh. Every week we go see a movie and podcast our experience to the world. Uh, most of the weeks I don't smack the board like that, um, but don't worry, Brad. I didn't. Right. You're that, quickly regressing. It's like you've never done podcasting before. <laughs> that, boor- that board's been a bad boy, hasn't it, James? <laughs> uh, we need to get through Comic-Con with this thing. So don't, <laughs> don't screw it up. Um, uh, but yeah, this week we went and saw John Wick Part 3 Parabellum, a film that tells you what the word Parabellum means. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a documentary, basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so at the end we will review that, uh, we'll play, we'll talk about whether you should see it and play the trailer and, uh, and then we'll, uh, spoil it. Uh, he shoots people in the fucking face. Like there is nothing to spoil here. Um, uh, there's kind of some. some spoilers if you're really into the world, which we'll get into. There's one spoiler and I'm going to spoil it right now, which is that uh, they just announced they're going to make a fourth one. So th- that's the only spoiler. Sure. Like other than that, there's nothing else you can you can really we'll, say we'll, about we'll, this. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, you so, said it was a documentary, and I was just like, <laughs> on, on Netflix, it's just called Making a Murderer. That's what. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, making a making yeah. a assassin. <laughs> uh. So yeah, we'll do that, and we'll also talk about movie news and what we've been watching and other stuff. But first, Other stuff. Uh, Brad, what's going on around town? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think the drive-in is still doing Detective Pikachu, Endgame, and Captain Marvel. Oh, that's a great one. So nice. I might try yeah. to... Check that out. Full of eye pop and madness. <laughs> I have a very important question. Um, how do they divide up the ticket cost for reporting, uh, specifically, you know, for Endgame? Uh, what percentage of my money goes to Endgame? Um, how do what do what do I have to do? We're so close. What do I have to do to get to get Endgame? Just that. There's like 170 million left. I, I, it's so close. You need to convince the rest of the world to to get back in the theater because boy, have they dropped the ball. Uh, I mean, it was like 30 million dollars just domestically this last weekend. Like, I did the calculation this morning. Of did you? Yeah, Shit. I um, just looked at the numbers. I didn't actually. I was looking at the Force Awakens uh, draw over like time uh-huh. and, you know, if it does like a million a day towards the end of its run. Yeah. Possibly, but it's they have two hundred million to go, and, and years old. Next week they'll do fifteen, and the week after that they'll they'll, they'll do eight. Uh, Will they though? Like, well, I guess Aladdin. But that's domestically. Yeah. That's domestically. Yeah, domestic's not the goal here. The goal is avatars worldwide. Right. Like, if 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 yeah. domestically they but can squeeze out up, another sixty, it's good because because China they started with six eighty five, and the second week they did like two eighty five. So, yeah. How do we we gotta get the how do we talk to the Chinese people? <laughs> and don't say in Chinese. <laughs> like we gotta we, we have well, the other, you we ruined have to the make, joke. <laughs> we, we have to reach out 
and 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 you know appeal to them in some way. Well, they're angry oh. at us for other reasons. Yeah, so I don't think you're going to listen to All us. Right. <laughs> I was literally the first thing that went in my mind was we're uh, not a we political can, show, but let's just say there's we other can things repeal going on. all that dumb shit. Okay, yeah. well, all right. Uh, also, God maybe we should have had some Asian representation in the movie. Um. Well, uh, no. And Benedict Wong doesn't count because that's any, only one moment. Yeah. If we know anything, it is now that James Cameron is in league with Donald Trump and that Donald Trump has been passing laws <laughs> in order to keep Avatar at number one. It's a conspiracy. It's true. This is this is real life shit, people. That, is there ha- no evil he will not stoop to? That's, that, uh. that's both hilarious and depressing all at once. Like, you've managed to make me both. He, 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 he slanders real people in his Titanic film, and now he, 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 has, he has used the American people uh, in order to keep his status. It is... It is Unbelievable! It was certainly an interesting long con, one that I didn't see coming. <sighs> I'm not okay. I know you're not. <laughs> anyway, okay, sorry. You have to take it upon yourself to do what I've done and seen it nine times. Yeah, I'm gonna go at least once in IMAX. Yeah, which okay. ended up being like 40 you know, bucks. you know what you do. <laughs> you don't even have to waste your time. You just pay for a bunch of tickets every day on Fandango. Don't have to go. You know, this is fair. If we could just get enough people <laughs> to just buy a ticket, you yeah. don't have to spend the three hours. Endgame needs a Kickstarter. <laughs> if everyone in China just bought one more ticket. The Endgame Kickstarter to beat Avatar. <laughs> this is great. Maybe they'll re-release it. That's what they need to do. Kevin Feige makes need... a dumb pitch video you know on his what? phone. Disney needs to just re-release it in a few months because Avatar's number includes its re-release. That's right. So... So uh, Oscar, Disney just, Oscar season re-release. Yeah, they won't get nominated, needs, but they can get a re-release. Right, but if in the fall, like if around Spider-Man, they put it back in theaters for a month, and they can just get a hundred million dollars, they win. Like <laughs> there is, there they have to, right? They need one hundred eighty. Come so. on, we one hundred seventy. But they can make the other seventy in the next like two months. The movie's still going to be in theaters for a while. You come out with an additional version with never before seen footage in IMAX three D. The four hour cut. <laughs> I mean, I would see it. Actually, you know what they should do is do screenings with Infinity War and Endgame together, mm-hmm. and then so that would just roll to... one into the other. Yeah, yeah that's. A, I mean, yes, but like that's a that's a niche market. Like the people who are going to go watch six hours of people went to the fifteen hour, twenty two hour. Yeah, but that was like one theater per city. Like, I well, I guess that this is way shorter all those marathons. <laughs> fair, I mean, fair. I'd do it. Yeah. If I were to recreate it, it live at a community theater, would that to count towards that the way. box office? No. Okay. What, the, the, I, I had an idea, the but thing now that, it's gone. The <laughs> thing they should do is just re-release it next to Spider-Man and get an extra $100 million and It worked for Captain Marvel. <sighs> yeah. It worked for fucking Avatar. You seem to think that they won't do that. I think they're... No. I mean, the movie's going to be around for a while because they know they can keep it around, even yeah. if it's just one or two showtimes a day. Come July, I, I I fully hope that that's what they do. Mm-hmm. I I need this. It's hard. I just it's need this. Hemorrhage theaters because you got Aladdin coming up and Men in Black, right? And no, if, it is. Yeah. And if Lion King is destined to be what everyone's tracking it to be, it may be the one to beat Avatar for all we know. But if you're Disney, this is your shot. They own there's, Avatar. There's <laughs> gonna be yeah, a exactly. <laughs> What's they, they, they own, own the record now. <laughs> they don't own the rights to Avatar. They just I, have it in their park. I'm pretty sure they bought everything and the soul Avatar of Rupert Murdoch when they bought that company. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it was Fox. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Disney wins no matter what. So this is just about yes. James Cameron at this point. But if you could, if you could then have ads that say it's the highest-grossing film of all time, wouldn't you then get even more money? 
Like yes. if you could get that extra 150 million, could you then get another 150 million on top of that? Like yes, you've got to do a marketing campaign, blah blah blah. It's gonna cost you. If we didn't have the internet where people bitch about everything all the time, I think we would have already passed the record by now. <laughs> you, yep. make, you make me sad. <laughs> it's not. It's, I'm. I'm hate I to be the bearer of bad news. End at like twenty eight thirty four. Like forty million short <laughs> of the record. Like that's why I feel like it's gonna happen. You know what we could do? We could rob a casino and then give it directly to uh, Disney. So we need to call in George Clooney, Brad Pitt. Can't get Bernie Mac. We can also wow, get- <laughs> wow, wow. If I love the holiday release. It might have done better because, like, Force Awakens and Avatar were both over the holiday, and they yeah. both have the. That's true. Toes. If it was a December release, yeah, and then it was like, I mean, it was a great window. Like, nobody's gonna argue that it hasn't done well. Yeah, <laughs> you know what it should have done? Re- release it a week before when uh, there was absolutely nothing. We're only we're that's the problem. We're talking about marginal money when it comes to a release. Like, you're talking <laughs> For a about petty record that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like. Y- <laughs> Yes, but it's a petty record that an asshole has for a shitty film. Here's here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're getting none of that money, so why do you care that much? <laughs> a film you once loved. Hey, a film I once put at number like six. Uh, I, I've got news for you. Bob Iger is going to be just fine. Out of the 300, uh, 400 movies that came out that year. And it's it's, it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. It's just not the best film. Of it's time. not even the top ten. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> the drive-in. Detective Pikachu, <laughs> yeah. Detective Pikachu, Endgame, Captain Marvel, still a long night. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nine yeah. bucks, um, 88 drive-in. Check it out. Support the so, drive-in. So probably like $3. There was a thing. news segment recently about yeah. the drive-in where your head popped in at one point. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, se- yeah. The news segment. That news segment thing, I forget. <laughs> I was, sorry, I was trying to actually calculate his little... Thing because you like it's probably not three dollars movie because it's probably split up based on which movies are in what order or maybe not I don't know I think it's a flat rental fee though that just supports backing it so. they probably got Captain Marvel and Endgame together as a deal oh and then a bogo <laughs> and then of course yeah. for the theater to stay open they probably have to take at least forty percent yeah it's so. two of the four Disney movies they bought when joining Disney Movie Club. <laughs> Uh, they got it for a pay, buck. Yeah. yeah, they got they they paid full price for Endgame, but they got they got Captain Marvel for a penny. Yeah, exactly. And they got the Goofy movie, which will be coming out in August. There, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. But they end up paying shipping on that one. It's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> Disney Movie Club. Uh, That's yeah. about it. Like nothing else really um, movie wise going on. Cool. Anything going on at the Bug? Yeah, the the Grolux is having their next comedy show. Oh shit! Saturday night, cool. May twenty fifth. Go watch them, funny people. I'll be there. Yeah, cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, see us at Denver Com or Denver Pop Culture Con. <laughs> if we Live keep getting it wrong, they're gonna le- they're gonna not let us get inside. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can we can barely make the schedule on the website. So, <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, you can find it. You just don't look in the right sections. Yeah, you, well, it's, you have it's, to look through everything. It's Schrodinger's <laughs> cat. If you're looking for it, it's not there. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, sometimes I see it on my tablet, but on there the desktop, go. it's never worked. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys want to do? What uh, news? Sure. Let's unspool some okay. news. Okay. Let's do news. It's real news. Uh, none of this is in any particular order. Uh, Sony, a company that makes films, mm-hmm. uh, but also makes video games, sure, has made a company that makes video game films. 
It's all very incestuous. I, I like where you're going with this. And they've never been real, like lately, not great at films, better at video games. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a good idea. Um, basically, they're just making like a PlayStation brand for making their own movies, which hopefully just means they're going to make The Last of Us in, into a movie. Uh, Who or, has Uncharted? So, uh, Sony does. Oh, okay. Oh, then. now, now, whether or not they sold the rights to somebody else, I don't know. See, that's what I'm like, wondering. Every time we cause... see the news, like I don't really actually technically pay Tomb... attention to who. Because technically, it. Tomb Raider's part of them, I think, or is that Warner Brothers? No, 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 no. Square Enix owns the rights to. Well, Square Enix is no, the production. No, but the Tomb Raider film. Oh, I oh, thought it was right. like Warner Brothers MGM or whatever the fuck. Yeah, maybe it's Warner Brothers. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know who owns Lionsgate. I feel like it's a Lionsgate film. Like, a demon. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I thought, well, anyway. Well, they're part of Summit Entertainment. Mm. The Continental Hotel owns Lionsgate, by the way. No. Yes, they do. So I'm going to throw a rock at your head. <laughs> working on a PlayStation Cinematic Universe? Yeah, basically. Well, I don't know that they'll actually so try they, for like, that. Like Crash Bandicoot my plus ho- The Last of Us. My hope would be that they, like... The piss you? <laughs> Grand Turismo. Maybe they, they take people from the <laughs> actual video game world who actually give a shit and understand that this stuff... Like, some of this stuff is well-written and cared for... Um <laughs> and make it into good movies, but I don't know how involved they were in like that Ratchet and Clank movie, which was not great. I mean, the Ratchet and Clank movie was basically just a kind of lame, stitched together version of the cutscenes from the first movie from or the first game from like fifteen years ago, like a latter day so, DreamWorks movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it was it was subpar at best. Also, take that DreamWorks. My hope would be that like you know you go get people like an Amy Hennig or a Ken Levine out of the actual video game industry um, who are really talented, or the guy whose name I don't remember who was the director on The Last of Us and now The Last of Us 2. Like, go get those guys to, like, at least script doctor your stuff. Because most of the time the problem, even with, like, the, the Tomb Raider movie from uh, last year, two years ago, mm-hmm. that's it's fine, but the scripts aren't great. No. Like, they're, they, they still end up just kind of... Falling flat. It felt like the Tomb Raider movie came out a lot quicker than I thought it would. So I don't know how much yeah. time it had to gestate. Well, it's too bad because I mean, literally, the the story in the video game that they were trying to steal from is a better story. Uh, until last week, that was the best video game movie I'd seen in terms of quality. Right. Yeah. But of that was beaten last week. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers doesn't count because it's a special place in my heart, uh, and because it's trash. Um, yes, but in a good way. Anyway, um, I see you trying to rile me up. I ain't <laughs> no, biting. that wasn't. No, I was. I'm. I'm I wasn't trying to rile you up at all. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe it'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully, it's good. Hopefully, yeah. maybe maybe this is how Sony learns to be better at making movies. Sure. Um, Batman. The Batman thing happened this week. Yeah, uh, where they announced that Robert Pattinson is going to be Matt Reeves' Batman. Well, okay, uh, probably. So, so but not yes, officially. They, okay, <laughs> true. He's not so Variety, signed. Variety, or Hollywood Reporter, or whoever broke a story to confirm it, and then everybody else said, "Well, it's not official yet." So, right, somebody jumped the gun and pissed off the internet. Yeah, um, and then at the same time, uh, I get, I think it was Matt Reeves that was out there saying that the. The villains in this movie are going to probably be Catwoman and Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I don't know. It, I I am most excited because of Matt Reeves, and I hope that he's. My hope is that similar, like whatever mindset led them to make that weird Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that looks like it's good, you know, and is just its own thing. 
It's called Taxi Driver 2. Whatever that like thought process is, is what is leading this Batman movie, and that they're <clears> going <throat> to make like a cool, one-off, smart... It is it's, its own thing, Batman. And they have to, because like they're going to make a Wonder Woman sequel and an Aquaman sequel in a universe that no longer has a Batman or a Superman. I don't think that universe and, is going to be held together pretty well. At some point they're just going to forget right, it. That's my point. Like it's some like if I have any hope in this thing actually being great, it's that they ignore it together, which yeah, sounds like what a, they're going to do. Just make a good movie. It sounds like that's what they're doing anyway cuz I see no mention of DCEU being part of that chronology in any article that I read. Which isn't even like was never even an official <laughs> no thing. No, so, it's never it was never yeah. an official moniker. I I want to say though the vial going towards Pattinson is ridiculous. It's because he looks like a foot. No, he doesn't. It's because Twilight's really bad and he looks like a foot. Okay, but and uh, I understand he's a good he's a good actor and he's probably going to be amazing. And that's the thing, and I want to say that out loud. Just because he was in Twilight, which he did for a paycheck, because then he could go off and do the interesting movies which he's been in the past five six years. He did for a paycheck because he was an actor and it was a job. Yeah, exactly. Like not not even <laughs> like because it was going to buy him but a lot could, of freedom. But, but, but like, you do the first it was one, going to buy him rent. But he didn't have to necessarily stay for the entire series. He could have sure. like moved uh, moved away no, from it. it. No, it's all fun. Yeah. Twilight is not his fault. No, it's no not. One, yeah. It's not any of the actors' fault. It's the screenwriter's fault. Yeah, it's solely the screenwriter. The director has nothing to do with it either. Because if I hold Twilight against Robert Pattinson, I have to hold it against Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. and that's not okay. Well, that's that's and Billy Burke. Oh God, Billy Burke! I, I can't be mad at Billy Burke. Love Billy Burke. So clearly, but Robert Pattinson doing just fine. If you need confirmation that he can get down into the dirt, go watch Good Time, that movie that uh, Henry put on yeah. his top ten from two years ago. And go see, I mean, I still don't know if I like it or not, but go see High Life because he's really good in High Life. He's not the reason why I don't know if I like the movie or not. It's everything else in the movie. No. He's really good. I know he can do it. I know he can go to a dark place. And also, like, we've bitched about who's going to play Batman before. Remember the Affleck controversy of 2013. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It's all, this is just this, this is, is the all same conversation. Ta- or whatever. Time is a continuous loop. <laughs> now, what it isn't is what Brad wanted, which was a no name. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of tired of them picking controversial choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should have been I me. Think Christian Bale's like the only one who hasn't gotten any heat for playing Batman before he's played Batman. So. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was so long ago. I can't even. Yeah. I think there was enough good clout around Christopher Nolan that you know. Everybody was like, "Yeah, sure." I think yeah. it. Why that, not? But I think it. Al Kilmer. Um. I don't remember anything. Probably. I mean, that was probably controversial just because people were pissed that Keaton, that was, Keaton wasn't in it. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's um, true. That it was going to be a Joel Schumacher dance film. I think with Bale and Nolan at that point, they were like, well, it can't get any worse, right? Right. That's true. That's <laughs> that basically where, true, yeah. where you're standing on. Yeah. The reason and, Affleck was controversial is because you're coming off of Nolan. So. And and part of why you you then have that controversy on on Heath Ledger because now they had some people had something to lose or it was like oh man we had this really great Batman Begins movie and you're going to fuck it up with Heath Ledger as the Joker? What? You're going to get the broke back actor to do it? Is what? this a Knight's Tale? Come on. Yeah, like anyway. But if I know um, the internet they were more complaining about the broke back element of it. <laughs> what do you what would you want it to be, Brad? Oh, shoot. Um I mean, I, I don't really have Besides good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, I want it to be good, but also, like, I don't have expectations for it. Like, I just yeah. want them to, like, make, 
like a satisfying Batman movie. Like it, it this isn't a choice that makes me like, oh man, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's it's also a choice that means means that I gotta like listen to all these controversial right. uh, nerd rants uh, for like the next eight nine months. Petition, I, petition. I, yeah, I almost wish it was. I I almost wish they would just take a break. You know, like I, I yeah. wish, I wish well, there I was, was just a chance to, because this is like, We're gonna do like, an actual like noir detective story, like the right. comics, and you're gonna have all the characters, but they're not gonna be like super villains, you and, know. And the Penguin and Catwoman both could fit into that, right? Like, if yeah. you treat Catwoman like a cat burglar, and you treat the Penguin like a really gross crime lord, yeah. like this can very much be. And the fact that they've announced them in quotes it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the plot of the film. It could be that the Penguin is involved. There's some kind of a mystery, cool thing. That sounds like a great film, right? Yeah. Um, Speak for yourself. I want Egghead in the movie. I want. I want Calendar Man, <laughs> Condiment King. Um, yeah. I, go watch uh, the Lego quilt. Batman movie. <laughs> what? Crazy Quilt. Crazy Quilt. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll Doug see. Benson as Bane. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's really early, and you know. Yeah. Who knows? I hope. Yeah, they do something. They show something cool so that this can kind of fall by the wayside. William yeah. Shatner as Two Face, because he did that cartoon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn his mic off. No, do it. Don't do it. You know I have good ideas. Wait, Brad, no. Um, we got a trailer for Angel Has Fallen. Uh, mm-hmm. a a the uh, international market's a wonderful thing, isn't it, James? And, and Olympus <laughs> has fallen. Third film. Um. That Henry in our little group text was like, how how are they making another one of these? And I'm like, because the first movie was so good that even the second one couldn't kill it. Like, and also they pre-sold a shit ton of can. The the <laughs> the you know. It, it, but then of course I like, I watched the trailer and I'm like, really? You went and got Morgan Freeman to play the president? Like, what is Aaron Eckhart doing? Where where where? Why, we don't know? allow him to do anything fun anymore. I do mean, you understand that? I, I understand that if for Aaron Eckhart to be in the movie, especially considering that in this case, like. Like, you know, what's his face looks older. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry looks older in this movie, and it's clearly supposed to like time has passed. But we can have a world where Anarchart has been like the best president for like twenty years. Like it's fine. Maybe it's fine. We you know what? We don't know the movie in full yet. Maybe he paraglides or skydives oh. down at the last minute to save the day. Aaron Eckhart should be the villain. Because he got voted out. He's of disillusioned with yeah. democracy. With too many domestic strikes. <laughs> no, he should. He should come back at the end and be like, "You undid all my executive decisions with your own executive decisions. This is bullshit." Now uh, I've got an executive decision for you. Oh man! And then it's a sequel to Executive Decision. <laughs> no, I was gonna say they just put on the movie Executive Decision and oh, chill out. God, that'd be great. If I, if I showed up and they just showed me Executive Decision, <laughs> I'd be fine. My executive decision is to execute. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It doesn't look great, but I don't care. I want to see it. It's still the first one was fun. He should stab some people. That the franchise was hurt because then we got John Wick movies, and now I get plenty of terrible violence. You know what? But at the time, watching him just stab people a lot was great. The second Die Hard isn't a great movie, so I'm just saying the oh. third one might be the. This is the Simon <laughs> Says of yes. of the Fallen yeah. f- franchise. The Die Hard with a Vengeance of the <laughs> of the of the, the has Presidential fallen. Bodyguard trilogy. Angels fallen with a Vengeance. <laughs> oh man! Live free or fall. <laughs> Live free or fall hard. <laughs> uh, a good day to fall hard. 
Brad, uh, Chris Rock is rebooting Saw. What does this mean? Um, you speak like Brad's I, the only I, Saw fan. I, I, <laughs> just, I hate to say it, but it seems like someone's watching Jordan Peele's career and trying oh. to... Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's a burn. That's pretty good. Oh, it's, man. It's, kind of, it's out of left field. No, you know, it's I'm, really weird. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it in a different direction. I think... When you have Danny McBride and David Gordon Green doing such an amazing job with the Halloween reboot, it's not unheard of for a comedian who might be a fan of a series to have an idea for it. Totally. And I'm not, I would never say that Saw and Halloween are in the same league at all whatsoever. However, I would be very fascinated to see what they do. I kind of wish it wasn't so soon after the failure of that Jigsaw, uh, that first reboot, which was just Jigsaw. Is that um, actually like a reboot? Reboot? I just, eh, I soft, it. soft reboot, like it, super it soft. Be a sequel. Okay, yeah. so it's well, like actually it's a prequel. It's like sort of same universe, but a different take on it. Or something. Yeah, it's technically a prequel, but it's also a sequel. It it didn't they it, already do that in like the second movie? Like they've the done it in movie? a lot of movies. Um, well, all the movies that kind of has like a time distortion of like you get to the end and realize it's like oh they've been dead for like four months. Oh yeah. fuck. Yeah, so it's it, it's <laughs> you just been watching that period where they were alive. The the, the production t- company is called Twisted Pictures, and they say what they mean. Those movies are twisted because there's sure. a lot of twists in them. Um. I mean, like, I'm curious, and they've got the bigger thing though is that they got Darren Lynn Bowsman coming back, which I think is good for the franchise. If you've got a guy who actually knows how to make a pretty good horror movie behind that helm, then you're all set. I, that's not to discredit the guys who did the later ones; it's just that they aren't as scary as the ones Bowsman did. So, hmm. um, and I mean, outside of getting James Wan to come back, this is the best possible scenario. Is Chris Rock going to play Jigsaw? <laughs> I doubt so. <laughs> However, I mean, I would. Love for him to play a detective who's corrupt. You know, that'd be fun. He could be his character Butters from Lethal Weapon 4. He could be Danny Glover's son in the first movie. Oh. I like that He idea. could be. He could be um, secretly having a child with Danny Glover's daughter from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Danny Glover's in it. Yeah, because Lethal Weapon 4. Uh, Lethal Weapon yeah. 4. Oh. And then Jet Li is Saw. That's what you're telling me. Yes, Jet Li, <laughs> Jet Li plays a, a Saw. Not jig, not the not the killer Jigsaw. He just plays a circular play a Saw. Game. <laughs> um, this, this just sucks, though, because that means Jerry Seinfeld's reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't going to fucking happen, because if this fails, he won't get to do his. <laughs> it's terrible. What's the deal uh, with that chainsaw? So Disney has full control of Hulu now, so we'll have two of those platforms. Does that mean they get uh, rid of all the good shows on there, like Handmaid's Tale and fucking Castle Rock and whatever the know. shit? Hopefully they just roll it all into one Disney Plus subscription thing. I don't Hulu think Disney's going to have the balls to have something like Handmaid's Tale on their fucking platforms and shit. Hopefully so. Hulu just gets to die. Okay. But I don't want that show to die, so. Well, then it can move somewhere else. I just don't. Okay. Hulu, the inventors of, hey, what if you paid us money and you watched the same commercial six times in a row? Um, is I, I've just never gotten over it. Hey. I'm sure it's better now, but <laughs> don't uh, worry. Their son, CBS All Access, is doing just fine. Fuck. <laughs> um, speaking of which, oh, no, this is NBC. Never mind. NBC is doing fine. Uh, they renewed This Is Us for three seasons. I've never heard that before for a, like... Wait, three additional seasons on top of what they've already got? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Not they renewed them for a third season. That's behind us. They renewed them for as many seasons in the future as they have made in the past. They're they're Um, only on their second season? No, no. They just Mm. finished their third season. Oh, that means they're going to end it just like Lost, right? Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, this is probably a thing where they pitched 
because it's a it's a half season show or you know a, a traditional season right it's a 12 season show 11 12 episode show um it's probably a thing where they went and pitched like okay we want to do this arc this arc this arc and in order to really build this thing and make this like cool whether or not they ended at six i don't know but i think they clearly pitched for like we want to tell this complete story if the last line of the show isn't this was us i'll be pissed (sighs) they've said (laughs) this is us in the show oh okay Um, but they need to say this was us yeah and then they close a family book (laughs) that's a show that i so I'll just say now. Like, I've never watched it, by the way. I just finished the third season, and uh-huh. I think that show is absolutely killer. Um, and they've go. done a really amazing job of not how I met your mothering it. I love that show, but <laughs> the 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 initial premise sure. of This Is Us has, you know, they've evolved past, and they've like the things that they keep as secrets they have revealed, and then introduced new potential threats on life you know you're the second person this week who's made a how, how i met your mother crack what, what does everybody hate the finale or something or well, yeah everybody does they're all wrong um I, I didn't hate the finale i thought it was fine yeah it's great it was kind of adorable um, it's not what i expected but whatever i don't know what else i got what uh, else do you got because i got two uh oh uh go ahead they may um, be things here that I'm skipping. Like, well, they might be. They might Dan- Daniel Craig uh, delayed the f- the filming of the James Bond film by hurting himself by carrying too much of his own personal baggage onto the set. You know what? <laughs> I was gonna say he's trying too hard to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, it was it involves people that aren't with us anymore. But oh, I didn't know if you had those on there. Uh, nope. My last thing is they're making a True Lies TV show. Go ahead. A true, wait, wait, a true Lies TV show. Go back for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Disney Plus is going to have a True Lies. TV show uh, on it. Will um, someone ride a horse through a town? I, we have no idea. They're just, they just said Will Tom they, Arnold be hey, in it? <laughs> hey, we have the rights for True Lies, so we're going to abuse them. Will Grant Heslov be in it? <laughs> we've, we've thrown all of the... Eliza Dushku is going to reprise her role <laughs> as an eight-year-old. Uh-huh. <laughs> if Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, I'm on board. We don't they're, need Arnold. We're fine. They're gonna he died use, in a fire. They're going to use the Aladdin genie tech to make Eliza Dushku an eight-year-old again. <laughs> Um, she's gonna be blue at first no they're just gonna like c- replace her whole body with cg okay um will she too sing you ever had a friend like but me? her <laughs> acting will still be stilted oh. uh so who who died this year this week oh uh, we had two um tim conway passed away oh that's right uh oh, uh co-star on the carol burnett show mainly worked a lot with harvey corman um he was also barnacle boy on spongebob squarepants um he was on uh mikhail's navy for years um actually, actually he was there for the whole run um, I, um, I, I was saddened by that though. Cause when I was a kid, I actually got to, uh, see Harvey Corman and Tim Conway on stage doing their Carol Burnett sketches live. Uh, and the dentist sketch, which is the one that gets touted as one of the best, which, cause it is, mm-hmm. um, they did that one on stage live and it was, wow. it was a great, it was, it's the only time I ever got to see live and in person what a vaudeville scenario might have looked like yeah. back in the day so i kind of treasured that and tim conway's always kind of been one of those guys i'd watch harvey corman passed years ago so uh i don't really believe in heaven but i'd like to think if there is one they're headlining a uh, a theater there right now so well, that's um, cool uh, I mean, and then, yeah but he yeah he, yeah. did, he did well. Yeah, dude, big bucket of win. He, but he was having some health issues in the last couple of years, so I'm glad he's at rest. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, and then, but the bigger one is uh, Doris Day died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big old bucket of win. We were there. just talking about the glass bottom boat like four weeks ago. Five. Weeks yeah, ago. exactly. Um, and I'm actually uh, 
I I really like Calamity Jane, the one that a lot of people kind of point to as like where she became super huge. Um, she has a song called Secret Love in it that I think is great. Secret Lovers, that one? No. Oh, I had a secret love. I don't care. But anyway, um, she like a huge career that spanned radio, television. She was on Bob Hope's program for years before she ended up like blowing up in film. Uh, she's in Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, she makes which makes Kesarasara like a theme song for irony, mm. um, and uh, and she kind of like do- stopped after the '60s and became a activist for uh, animal rights. So mm. um, big bucket of win there. Clint Eastwood tried to get her out of retirement to be in Sully, and the only role oh. she could have done was an elderly passenger on that plane. So oh. It would have been interesting <laughs> if he had done that. I can also imagine him yelling at her a lot. <laughs> um, it was his way of hitting on her. Yeah, but I mean, I like Doris Day a lot. I think actually her, like her, a lot of people use her as like this example of like how wholesome the 50s were. And I'm like, you watch her films. I'm like, that's not even close to true. Sure. Like, it's only because things that happened after the 60s were so extreme that you're making that comparison. Um, and actually, like, right. want to talk about one of our most risque films is probably Pillow Talk with Rock Hudson. Because Rock Hudson, it's a great film. So. What are they doing on that pillow? <laughs> Find out in Pillow Talk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no big bucket of win. I think it was like '97. So like, shit, that's a long ass time to yeah. live. And she, like, like Lewis and all those guys who have been passing recently, went through the whole gamut. I think the only thing she didn't do was vaudeville. Yeah. So, um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, good for her. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Uh, ooh, we have a voicemail from Corinne. Uh, oh, oh yeah, we know what she she's starting something new this week. Mm-mm. She started something new last week. A few weeks, Two ago. weeks ago. She started something few, new recently. James, do you need to retire? Your mommy's retire. Pfft, nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know she's right up there. You want to go ask her? <laughs> no. Okay. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 20.3 of Catching the Classics, which is actually part 3 of Catching the Miyazaki Classics, where I'm going to be going through all of Hayao Miyazaki's filmography, or at least all the movies he's directed. Uh, And this week, I'm going to be tackling Castle in the Sky. Uh, This was one of the Miyazaki films I hadn't seen, and... um, um, I, I mean, I liked it. Not as much as I liked Porco Rosso, and even not as much as I liked um, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, but, I mean, obviously it's still adorable and a great film. Um, so, quick synopsis for you. Um, Castle in the Sky, which is also sometimes called Laputa Castle in the Sky, is about these two kids. We have Sheeta, who's, like, I, I guess she's 12? Like... She and Patsu, the boy, are about the same age, and I would I would guess that they're about 12 years old. Um, but Sheeta has this crystal, and she's being sought after by pirates and the army because of this crystal, and she doesn't really know what it does. And um, the very first sequence, she's in an airship, and um, these pirates come to get her, and she's trying to escape, and she ends up falling off of the side of the airship, dirigible, whatever, and she, like, just falls, you know, hundreds of thousands of feet, and you're like, oh, shit. Um, but the crystal ends up saving her, and so it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool, and that's how she 
um, meets Patsu is that she's falling from the sky. Um, the crystal slows her down and Patsu grabs her and takes her um, and t- uh, cares for her. And um, so then they end up joining forces whenever the pirates come to find Sheeta and her crystal. And they end up discovering that the crystal is from this um, city, this castle in the sky, if you will, called Laputa. And it's supposed to be this like mythical place, like, um, you know, it's only kind of legend and hearsay, but um, Patsu's dad actually got to see Laputa, and so Patsu wants to prove his dad was right. And, um, yeah, so anyway, it's just this kind of fun adventure movie, and um, what can I say about it? So, James Vanderbeek plays Patsu, and I, I personally think it was a weird choice because he sounds so old. Like, Patsu is supposed to be, what, 12? And James Vanderbeek sounds like a 30-year-old man, which, I mean, his actual performance isn't bad, but again, I think it was just a weird choice. Um, Anna Paquin plays Sheeta, and she didn't do bad either, but I felt like there were times where she was almost like slipping in and out of a British accent, so I don't know, maybe this is me, but um, I think the real MVP of the voice cast is Cloris Leachman, who plays the head of the pirate gang. And it's kind of similar to what happens in Howl's Moving Castle, where you have this character at the beginning of the movie who's supposed to be the antagonist. But by the second half of the movie, the person ends up being a, well, at least not an antagonist, but more of an ally type person. Like, just because of circumstances or whatever, they're thrown together. And that's exactly what happens in this movie, is that um, the pirate gang, which Cloris Leachman, um, her character, leads, they are trying to kill Sheeta and Patsu at the beginning of the movie. And then when Sheeta, I guess minor spoilers ahead, when Sheeta gets taken by the army, Patsu teams up with the pirates to go find Sheeta. And then when they get Sheeta back, but they lose the crystal, they end up teaming up with the pirates to find Laputa. And... Uh, I don't... It was just kind of weird for me to go from the pirates are trying to kill them to the pirates are, like, their best friends. At least with Howl's Moving Castle, um, the Witch of the Waste, which a similar thing happens to her character where she's the antagonist the first half of the film and she's more of an ally the second half. I mean, at least she didn't try to kill the main character. She just cursed her. Um, but yeah, it's it was just a, a kind of jarring transition for me. I mean, it works within the realm of the story because, you know, it's Hayao Miyazaki and everything is just kind of, like, charming. And, um, you know, you kind of you kind of want everybody to team up except for, like, the super-duper mega-evil villain, who I'll talk about in a second... Um, but yeah, it's, and there were actually some really good sequences once they were on the pirate ship and they were teaming up. There's this really nice moment where, um, Sheeta and Patsu are talking up in like the crow's nest type area of the pirate ship and everybody else on the ship, um, the way it's rigged up is they're overhearing the conversation between them because of the, um, they have like these little... I don't know, whatever you call them, and they can kind of listen in on what the two of them are saying. So 
that was actually kind of a cute little sequence. Um, although, side note, there was this really weird part where um, it's kind of similar to what happens in Porco Rosso, where the minute that a young lady shows up, like, all of these, like, gross dude pirates, like, all of a sudden try to be, you know, polite and um, well-mannered and social and um, try to, like win her affection, I guess. And it makes sense with Theo in Porco Rosso because she's 17. But here, Sheeta's like 12, and there's this one guy who comes in and he's like, I'm in love with you! And I'm like, oh my gosh, please. I know it's just for laughs, but I'm like, ugh. Ugh, that's weird. Um, I also want to say real quick, obviously, the animation's beautiful. There was one sequence, though, when there leaving town when the pirates start coming in um, at the very beginning of the movie where these people get into a fist fight and it just feels a little too cartoonish like too um, like I don't almost like a Mickey Mouse type of um, brawl where you know logic just goes out the window and um, yeah it, it doesn't feel like Hayao Miyazaki animation it feels like a cartoon I guess I don't know how to explain it to you other than that if you've never seen any of his movies, but so, um, so yeah, the big bad of the movie, spoilers ahead, is this agent for the government who's played by Mark Hamill, which, I mean, that was probably a good casting choice. The problem for me is he sounds too much like the Joker. I don't know. I feel like Mark Hamill is a really good voice actor because, like, he plays Ozai in Avatar The Last Airbender, and that doesn't sound much at all like the Joker. You know, you can tell that... I mean, maybe you can and maybe you can't tell that it's the same person, but here I feel like you can definitely listen to... Um, crap, I forget his character's name. But you can definitely listen to Mark Hamill's character and tell that oh, that's the same guy who plays the Joker. Like, it's it's too similar. I don't know if that's what the people wanted to have him do, but, I mean, for me, it was just like, he's talking and all I hear is the Joker. Um, so, the big reveal is that when they get to Laputa, um, the big, bad, the evil agent guy takes Sheeta and they go into this part of the city where it's, like, holding them up and keeping them afloat and it's this technological um masterpiece and just you know they're like oh this is gonna be great and we find out that he is actually also a descendant of Laputa because we find out that Sheeta is like you know this descendant and she's like of the royal line of Laputa and so is he and so yeah it was I don't know how I feel about this movie um there are parts of it I really enjoyed, and then there are other parts of it that I was like, okay, can we just kind of wrap this up here? Um, it's two hours, but it somehow feels longer than that, I guess because there's so much going on in this movie. Like, the whole first half, they're running away from the pirates, or not even half, first third, they're running away from the pirates. The third, um, she's like captured or something, and then the whole like last 20, 30 minutes, they're in Laputa. And there are two really great sequences with these robots, um, kind of in, like, an Iron Giant sort of way, that I was like, oh no, like, one of them died, and I'm like, no! 
how is it that it doesn't have like any personality and it never said anything but somehow this is more sad than when Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator dies in T2. That's just me though. Um, so yeah, Castle in the Sky, it's not bad, but it's not my favorite Miyazaki movie. Um, and not even my favorite of the ones I hadn't seen before I did the series. I, if, like, just right now, I think I'd go Porco Rosso, then Nausicaa, and then Castle in the Sky. So, yeah. Castle in the Sky. I'm gonna give it, like, a B-. minus. By no means is it a bad movie. Again, you have to grade it on, like, a Miyazaki curve, but I just, eh. I like, I think Porco Rosso is more fun, and I think Nausicaa has, um, like, better themes and messages. And this one was just kind of, like... It's it's there, and that's not bad. It's just, eh. <laughs> Maybe other people out there enjoy it, but I I mean, I don't enjoy it as much as they do, probably. So, anyway, sorry for ranting. Um, but next time, I'm going to be talking about Spirited Away, which I have seen before, but it's been a long time. Um, and also, again, again, once more, I'll do a shout-out to your local library. Go check it out. They have lots of cool stuff there. Um, yeah, definitely worth watching things at the library. So take care, nerds, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like Castle on the Sky. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, I'm not, I'm not Miyazaki. There's a (laughs) uh, castle that flies in the sky. Well, it's kind of cool. Fucking awesome. <laughs> She's probably right. I mean, I'm sure if I went back and watched it now, I'd be like, okay, this isn't as good as, as some of the, the high art. I uh, like reading her articles on it, too, like in addition to the contrib- contributions she's giving to the actual show because um, like, I kind of like reading about like something I don't know a lot about. And like Miyazaki is certainly something like I admire Miyazaki a lot, but I've only seen like a few examples of his greatness. So mm. it's not because I don't want to. Yeah. Just other things to watch, too. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Also, check out her articles on the Blacklist and The Good Place. They're really good. Yeah. And the follow-ups to these on the website, too, and her Miyazaki articles, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's what I was mentioning earlier. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, This week, we saw movies. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what'd you see? Um, See what I did there? I, I, I had you. I had you. Yeah. I thought you were going to go to Blu-rays. So that's why I was confused. I know. We don't forget about them by the end. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'll remember. Uh, I actually watched a bunch of stuff. Um, still continuing Star Trek TNG. I'm halfway through season six, so I'm almost done with this bitch. Yeah. Um, some don't fun. call it a bitch, bitch. <laughs> Except for Yar. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. You're just all like, what did, did, did these Crosby She's like so smack worst. you when you were younger? She's just not great. Oh, pshaw. Um, I, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, there were some good episodes in there. I like the one where Data, uh, or not Data, um, Q, um, finds Picard when he's about to die and has him relive his life all over again. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes, oh, I shouldn't have made those changes because they defined who I am. Um, and then the Western episode with Data becoming everybody is pretty awesome. I do, I did not remember this one from, like most of the episodes when I'm rewatching them, I'm like, I remember like a majority of this. This one I did not remember at all. And 
as the episode was progressing, I'm like, oh, he's turning into everybody. Wait a minute. He's turning into everybody. He's not going to turn into, and sure enough, he turns into a woman by the end of the episode. And it's pretty hilarious because um, he, he's got a fake bosom on, but there's no, like, there, he clearly doesn't have a divider between two boobs, so it's just, like, one single unit. So it's pretty hilarious. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> ex- uh, explain his unit to me again. <laughs> Data's unit. Um, everything going on in the episode, that's what you latched on to. <laughs> everything about, like, everything about, because data unit, everything about that's great. Okay. Everything about this is great. Don't change a thing. I speak like a moron. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh, what I found interesting about it was that it's, so it's directed by Patrick Stewart, but Data's in this episode a lot. I think Pe- Brett Spiner actually directed it, and he just used Patrick Stewart's name so that he didn't look like a ham. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, lots of fun times there. Birth- the birthright two-parter was actually really fun. Watching Worf trapped in that um, uh, prisoner camp um, was pretty cool. Although it's very clearly the first part of it is very clearly. Please watch DS Nine. Please watch DS Nine. Please watch DS Nine. Doctor Bashir's here. Please watch DS Nine. <laughs> Um, and then the second part is very much a Wharf episode, um, uh, which actually leads into a documentary that I saw with Brad called um, What We Left Behind, um, a look back at Star Trek D Space Nine. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to tag team this one or not, or if you wanted to just wait to give your own thoughts. Yeah. You want to wait? Okay, cool. Um, I like the doc. Um, I barely. You'd rather not share airtime yeah, with you. Yeah, I have a completely different opinion than you. So. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, I love the film. <laughs> so uh, the uh, I I barely remember Deep Space Nine. I have watched it, but I watched it mainly in the background of stuff, um, and or also drunk, stoned, and high. So um, I. But I remembered a lot more of the show than I thought I did mm-hmm. because the way they were going through everything, I was like. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, One of those things that even if you didn't intensely watch it, you are aware of the big sweeping uh, things. Yeah, and... yeah. Like I mean, like Avery's whole thing. Like I just like. Yeah. What was what was fascinating to me was how many uh, individual subjects they tackled in terms of certain character traits. So Ira, the guy who uh, was the showrunner on DS Nine, he was also a showrunner on Homeland, and he talked about how you can't do. Um, who was the character again? I can't, I see this is one of those parts Odo. where I can't remember. Um, the terrorist, um, the, uh, major- uh, oh, oh, um, but, but, Kira? Yeah, Kira, Kira. Yeah. yeah, you can't do Kira anymore the way they did Kira back then because the example he gave was there was a character on Homeland that is basically the same thing, but they couldn't keep going with him because it would have been too difficult to portray in a sympathetic light where given they, that we're in a post 9-11 world yeah where they they used to be a terrorist and now yeah they're not they, anymore. yeah exactly you like you basically can't do it anymore which i thought was fascinating um they mm. got into captain avery's character they got into captain avery a lot which i appreciated but um the uh um uh uh the one thing that i was very astounded by was how the documentary as a format for them was kind of like fluid and they would just interrupt whenever they damn well please to kind of break the fourth wall. Mm. So it was like actually very much just a celebration of that show. Um, they have uh, the guy who played Quark singing a lounge song at the beginning of the movie. And then they have him and a quartet of other actors who were played, who played Ferengi on the show singing a ballad at the end. It's, it's a very warm loving time to celebrate DS nine and, how it was very unfairly maligned at the time of its release, mm-hmm. um, basically because you're coming off of TNG and 
it's it's based, it, it's space it trying po- to do something different. It's for space that. politics, and actually, I think it's yeah. exactly what you need to do with Star Trek nowadays too, because it's actually discussing the themes that make Star Trek unique compared to any other sci-fi property. No. because it creates that whole world, and it, um, it ended up leading into the sort of serialized television that that. Yeah. is now very prominent and they address that. also ended up kind of killing star trek on television yeah but. and they address that in the documentary how they were ahead of their time but how it was also kind of like a death blow for them to a certain degree but the the trick of this film is that it also talks about what if they were given a season eight and hmm. um without spoiling anything it, it, it would have been pretty interesting they have ron moore in the room and it's pretty fun so cool. um but yeah and then um Watch that. Um, I uh, I went through some Cary Grant films because Ryan's bug has bitten me. Sure. Um, so I rewatched To Catch a Thief. We're um, gonna just Brad. We're gonna spin them off on their own fucking podcast, right? <laughs> Holy fuck! Gabbing about Grant. <laughs> to Catch a Thief is amazing. I can't believe there's still like 30 movies left. Still, I know. <laughs> to Catch a Thief is like one of my favorite Hitchcock films, and I I loved it, but I've never like gone back to it because it's not. It's not a Hitchcock film that I think about when I think about Hitchcock. It has my favorite um, Hitchcock dick joke, like dirty old man dick joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where they're walking in the and and she she had some some line like you know he's talking about these him selling timber. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sure you tell all the girls that all your trees are sequoias. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's great. Um, and I enjoyed rewatching it. Um, I was, I, it's. I like when Hitchcock is light on his feet and not like necessarily steeped in a bunch of darkness. He's because always it, pretty heavy. Because he's got a great, he always had a great sense of humor, and so it's fun when he's like actually making a comedy. Like if you watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith, his film from the '40s with Carol Lombard, it's a fun film. It's just it's not a, it's not a necessarily a traditional Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Um, but I really liked Grant and uh, Kelly, and obviously they're great. Grace Kelly's mother in the movie Joyce uh, Joyce Randall uh, Joyce Randall Landis uh, as Mrs. Stevenson is one of my favorite rediscoveries ever. She is super funny in that movie, um, playing Grace Kelly's mother. Mm. Um, it yeah, just every line just like solid on point. Um, I love when uh, Grace Kelly wants to turn Cary Grant in to the police. She's just like whatever. I'm gonna let him escape. They come back and he's escaped and she's just reading a book and going like, what? What did I do? And then Grace Kelly goes, the book's upside down, mother. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, really good. And um, so, yeah, that was fun. And then I rewatched Notorious, which uh, is Cary Grant and uh, Ing- uh, Ingrid Bergman, also directed by Hitchcock. Um, I- I've watched this film a couple of times and this is the first time where I was really, really focusing on the um, Claude Rains character um, because I think... Every time I've watched it, I was always so in, like interested in Ingrid Bergman's uh, role in the film and just kind of basically how, because of her past and her substance abuse, it weaves a web of, like, can we believe anything she's saying by the time you get to her being poisoned slowly by the family? But, like, Claude Rains in that film is pretty fucking magnificent. I, I love him in Casablanca. It's, like, still one of my favorite roles he's ever done. This is probably like the second best just because it's it's a weird mama's boy who's also trying to overthrow the world like it's it's very strange and fun and it's still one of the like darkest and yet happiest endings in a Hitchcock movie which is just they drive off and Claude Rains has to go back inside and those doors shut um it's pretty fucking fantastic um 
Uh, and then I hopped off the Grant train and went on to the Stewart train and rewatched Rope today before you guys got here. Uh, that movie's still So really fun. you're just watching Hitchcock films. Yeah, that, that might lead into something I'm going to say right after I talk about Rope. Um, the, Rope's still fucking amazing. Um, I like trying to watch, like, I know where the cuts are made and whatnot, but I kind of like, yeah. it, it still mesmerizes still you. It's, it's, it's not the same with, like, in, in Birdman, because Birdman I kind of like, I get lost at a certain point on the visual end, but this right. one kind of keeps me entranced. Um, it's not to say Birdman's not good; it's just it's it's not rope. Yeah. Um. And um. It's Farley Farley Granger and Jack Doll are still those are two of the most amazing performances on film that have nothing to do with the major Hollywood stars. Um. And Hume Cronin adapted the shit out of that thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, props to that. This is all a long-winded way of saying I picked my next subject for my article series. It's going to be Alfred Hitchcock, guys. Cool. Um. And I've decided to call it. The Shamley Silhouette. <laughs> All right. The Shamley was his production company when they made the TV shows. Cool. So, um, I'm going to be going through all 52 of his available films. He technically did 53, but there's one called The Mountain Eagle that's missing. Um, so if somebody out there has it, please give the British <laughs> Film Institute a call. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go through it all. Um, I was actually talking to my co-writer um, on a script that I'm working on, and he said that, like, good luck. Everybody's had their take on it. I'm like, yeah, I know, and I'm going to kind of, like, come up front with that. What I kind of want to do is actually also talk to other people within the series um, about what their favorite Hitchcock film is and why they are influenced by well, him. That would be cool. Rather than just make it solely about my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the Clint Eastwood one, it was a little easier to do because it was a wimp evaluating a man. So... <laughs> Oh, um, uh, you got it backwards. Oh yeah. G- oh, yeah, exactly. He's a wimp, and I'm a man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's because I sing better, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's most likely, yes. Um, and um, the I rewatched the first two John Wicks in theaters um, in a triple feature with uh, for Chapter 3 Parabellum. Um, I hadn't seen the first two since I saw them in theaters each, so it was a fun refresher also getting into three. That's cool. That first one's still a perfect fucking movie. Um, it's super fantastic. It's so simple. Like, yeah, we'll get into it later, but like the world building is small enough that it doesn't hinder anything. Second one's still fun. It's problem is the world building. Um, and I really appreciated the, uh, the boisterous crowd I had at the Alamo. However, uh, there was a lady right next to me who had a laugh that would make your skin crawl (laughs) and it, and I thought and she I, was laughing every time that someone gets shot in the face. <laughs> you know what? No, not not her, but I'm sure there were people behind me who were laughing every moment that happened. There was a lot of a lot. there was a lot of people there with camo uh, cargo shorts sure. and Punisher t-shirts. Sure. And I'm not going to make assumptions in life, but I think. But these did. are safe assumptions. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, whatever they were having fun, I don't care. Yeah. They didn't hurt anybody, as far as I know. Um. Uh, and then the last thing was I did a fitness cinema session and I got the privilege of watching Empire Strikes Back on a big screen again oh, while doing the treadmill. That's um, cool. Yeah, that movie's still pretty fucking great. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was it's the special edition, so I was like, because so oh. the fitness cinema that I do, I won't say the name of my gym, but the fitness cinema they use digital files and they'll put subtitles on, right? So if they're doing digital files anyway. Why I I I know they have can't, to can't they just get a login to my Plex server so that they can watch the fan edit? Yeah, I was gonna say, or can <laughs> they just gotten the fan edit? Which I was just like, yeah, but they're a company. I'm sure they're like working under stringent laws not to do that. But I was just like, 
come on, guys. Like, you want to do Star Wars Month? Do it right. Like, for the fans. There's a reason it's called And then the I fans. realized most of the fans probably aren't going to a gym. <laughs> to watch Empire Strikes Back? No. <laughs> no, no, no. They want to sit down. They don't want to stand like, up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, One of these days, man, Disney's got to just come on. I think we'll be, I think Rise of Skywalker's Blu-ray release will see the release of something great. I'm sure it will. I, I mean, if if not, then you can all beat me with chains. How about that? <sighs> I know it's not the ending you wanted, but it may be the ending you get. I don't know. That sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm okay um, with beating you with chains. <laughs> Um, but uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, the I'm break- not going to wait for Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> exactly. <with chains>. Yeah. <laughs> Time is now. Um, but Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I ran it for seven point twenty seven miles. It's a thousand and ten calories. Uh, for two hours and six minutes. So, yeah. if you want a good workout, watch a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Your mic just gave up. My- Brad, what did you watch this week? My my mic went limp. Funny thing, though, they are doing – the rest of the month is still Star Wars. The whole month's been Star Wars. Oh, cool. So they're going to do Jedi on Friday. They're okay. going to do Force Awakens on Monday and then Last Jedi on Thursday. So I'm going to go to all Cool. All I, the good ones. I wish I had gotten to Solo in time, but – Yeah. Man. <laughs> is anyway. there still exercise equipment there? Are you assuming – implying that it's all been broken? No, I was going to say, like, if, if there's still exercise equipment, I'm not going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Uh, Brad, what did you watch this week? Well, I watched the DS9 doc, but Zach talked about everything in it, so... <laughs> I asked I you if you wanted to tag team on it. Did you I like didn't it? want to, but I figured you wouldn't like cover the entire thing. Uh, did you enjoy it? Is it good? I did enjoy it. What's it As called? Because I blacked out. Uh, <laughs> what We Left Behind. It's oh, cool. the actual title of the last episode. Cool. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I recently rewatched the series, and uh, it, it's, it's a bummer that that series kind of is the black sheep of the uh, Star Trek universe. It, not, it, 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 it not after Enterprise. It's not. Well, <laughs> it, it, it didn't have any time on its own to be its own thing. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because there was always like there was probably what a year or two between next gen, next gen and Voyager. Yeah. 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 So uh, and then uh, the, the the really cool part about the documentary that it makes it different from other documentaries is that they they did the season eight writing session. But, uh, you know, they spaced it out throughout the, the uh. whole documentary so you know the beginning of the movie they do a little bit of you know the first act of what they would write and the second in the middle and the third by the end and it's uh i, I want to see that pilot like uh, they should yeah. definitely someone needs to come down from viacom or paramount or whatever and because they filmed the first episode of season eight no, no. They, what do you mean well uh, just as a kind of a revival you know oh, okay because yeah, all yeah. these tracks like star trek cards coming out now they, sure you know they kind of suggest you know like Star Trek Roseanne. Because <laughs> the end of um, the end of DS9, uh, Cisco kind of becomes a prophet and disappears from the station. Right. Leaves his son behind and his unborn child. Um, so there's uh, there's still unresolved things from the series that you know people would like to uh, see those con- characters continue. And a lot of those actors aren't you know involved in. Uh, like heavy projects, right? So they would have the f- space to do it, uh, and it is cool how pretty much I think everybody from the series is in the documentary. Oh, that's cool. Um, Avery Brooks um, definitely has a very uh, unique persona, and so they kind of do that right at the beginning, and then he kind of disappears for the rest of it. I just yeah. realized in my review, I called him Captain Avery and not <laughs> we know. Captain Cisco. We were there. there were a couple <laughs> times where I was like, I'm I should. You mean like the pirate? <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. going to Star Trek hell. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the as far as like 
documentary making, adding that uh, adding that uh, writer session into it, like was a nice That's cool. change of pace. Um, I'm amazed how many of the writers they got back in there, like some, the, some that are still like big has big names, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. St- all still around. Um, um, and then afterwards, there was a uh, like a post movie, uh, like live feed Q and A. Well, not really Q and A, just like a Q and A Q- between the writers and yeah. Iris Stephen Bear. Some and, more stuff to watch. Yeah, like we couldn't ask anything, obviously. Yeah, but they mostly talked about the transfer, um, and the process, the, the expensive yeah. process that it takes oh. to make it HD because the documentary has HD remasters of the show, but only for certain clips because that's all they could afford. Um, Which they had to kickstart in order to do anyway. Yeah, the kicks, the this documentary comes from a Kickstarter yeah. that everyone paid for, so hopefully this sparks some kind of revival. That, um, But they acknowledge like it's um, an even more difficult task than Next Generation because it's really? in a popular series and oh, okay. all this the early... Uh, 1990s CGI elements have to be remade, right? Because it's the same problem as Next Gen. It's just not as popular as Next. You're like, it's still that like we did, we filmed it, and then we did effects in SD and com- composited them together. And so, if we just up it, this will look like garbage, and this won't. Yeah, so well, you have to redo gen, the composite stuff. A lot of Next Gen's effects are practical. But they're on beta, so at least they have okay. and also, film stock. And also, aren't the elements in next gen like some of them are like kind of trashed anyway to begin with? Like yeah, some were lost and they couldn't. Yeah, exactly. So right. the Blu-ray release is actually kind of incomplete. Right. Um. But um. DS9, a lot of it is made stri- like the effects are from digital. So either the software doesn't run those models anymore. Right. Um. So it has to be remade from scratch. Sheesh. So they can't just and. I would probably bet that that show has a lot more special effects in it because of the time it came out than I mean, Odo. So it's not, alone. yeah, right, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and there was just a lot of there was a lot of like shots of ships flying outside and going in and out of the wormhole and stuff like that that you could have full episodes of of Next Gen with very little, re, like unique CG in it, you know. Yeah, that whole um, uh, like space war. I think towards the sixth yeah. or seventh season. That's one of the clips they chose to do, and it's amazing. Man, that's cool. I think that. Well, and I, I was glad that they showed that they they got some of the old, the original DPs from the show to actually supervise those HD transfers. That's cool. And so, like, that adds to the cost as well. If you're going to do the whole thing, you you do want the original people to supervise it mm-hmm. because that lends the authenticity and whatnot. It's yeah. like no different than like getting Dean Cundy to resupervise all the different transfers for Jurassic Park or Halloween. So, um. I mean, I mean, but that season eight, I really, I don't think that's unreasonable given the fact that CBS All Access is just going to become the Star Trek channel at this point. <laughs> it's a cool pilot. With also Twilight be cool. Zone. Yeah. Because like, would be cool. I mean, like, God, like, I don't want to spoil it, but the, what they choose to, how they choose to introduce Cisco back in is really cool. Like, cause it doesn't disrespect the finale that they, that they originated with. So. Does it require? Sorry, you give me that look. Like, yeah, just I, you're you, say, I see you thinking. Well, I guess where I'm going is like, does it require you to really know that? I mean, if you brought that show back, like you can't require the fans. Yeah, yeah. It would not be. It would not. It would not be. Especially for f- by comparison to other Star Trek shows, like that's one that got. It's part of why I don't love it as much is because of how much it gets mired down in some of the re- religiosity of of that series. Like I'm, <laughs> but that's also two, what two makes of my it best unique. friends. Yeah, but two of my best friends growing up, like 
always had this rule that like if the first shot of an episode of DS9 is a is is a Bajoran, you can just skip that episode. And I I actually fully enjoy watching the show that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would have a hard time like if that's a heavy part of where you go. But you know, like you said that. That it would have to be very much for the fans of DS Nine, yeah. You know, like and like God, like every character, like Kira's sounds interesting too, and also sure. what they would do with Bashir, which I was completely fascinated by, given the way he ends in DS Nine, the original series. So, hmm. um, the good news is, I think around August, the documentary is released on Blu-ray, so cool. You still have a chance to check it out, so that we can just go and rewatch that war scene over and over again. Yeah, from Dream. Shout Factory, but it will be a limited release, so you will have to like. Get buy it, it quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, buy it, yeah. I'm sure they'll have a digital somewhere. Yeah. But. Another cool thing is part of the Kickstarter is they were going to remaster like one clip or something. Um, but mm. I was Stephen Bear. Like, it took five or six years to actually make this thing. Like, wow. it started in 2012 or 2013. Man. Um, and, you know, towards the middle of it, they, you know, after watching the one remaster, they're like, this whole documentary has to be HD. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want any SD clips in here. Wow. So, uh, that's yeah. why it took longer. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, that they went the extra mile. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I rewatched Avengers for the ninth time, but this time it was an IMAX. Cool. Um, couldn't do the 3D though because they only have one showing in the morning. Um, and Ooh. was it good? Oh, it's. <laughs> I was in the fourth row and just you know, the the edge of the screen is on either side of my eyes, and so I'm just inside that final battle. You are, you are Thanos. I'm like. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm crawling backwards in my seat, just trying like trying to get a wider view. <laughs> I need to get away from this. Yeah, it's so close. Um, and immersive uh, and that's yeah. cool. Awesome. Um, Man. So that's cool. Um, go see that. Spend another forty bucks, please. <laughs> um, I saw Batman and Robin in the theater for the first time. In the theater. Okay. okay and okay. I believe I please, said it before. Please continue. That this is a movie that actually gets worse every time i watch it <laughs> all right all right guys you're that's being really good. You're, you're being really mean you need to just chill out oh that's awesome um, what, so how, was it pretty bad yeah like uh <laughs> well first of like right out of the gate when uh freeze is falling out of the sky and he pops open his like wings Oh my god! I don't um, remember this film at all. It's the very beginning. He goes up in a rocket ship, and Robin gets trapped on the rocket ship, oh, and yeah. Batman grabs onto the rocket ship. Watched another, and Batman. then Freeze bails, and they're stuck with this warhead on the rocket ship. Anyway, as he's descending, because it's a big screen, I was able to see this wire that's holding up Schwarzenegger's <laughs> heel for the flight green screen. Um, so that's something new I saw. <laughs> Good. Um, oh. And. Clooney is completely unsure how to play Bruce Wayne. Um, was it? Do you know if it was a a a film reel or a DCP recording? I think it was the 4K DCP. Okay, because okay. the Blu-rays or the 4K Blu-rays coming out like I, next week. I, I ask because on film you probably couldn't see the wire, right? So in th- when that movie aired in theaters, you probably couldn't see the wire, and then on 4K you can see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while they're making it, they probably should have seen it because they they, well, can, they have. Better because, playback for the because film. it's their job. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, but when it's on reels in '97, <laughs> playing through with the cigarette burning, it, right. probably yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see then, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought of this. They did. They were really re-released all four of those. 
Who the fuck's bright idea was it to re-release Batman and Robin in theaters? You could even just do the first three. Dude, you can mark the case up that that collection up an extra ten bucks because now it's four movies in four K. Uh, like, but but putting it a back money in, a money man made a good money decision. But, That's but, who. But putting it back in theaters, I'm like, didn't we learn our lesson twenty years ago? Uh, <laughs> Brad once thought it might have been a test market thing of like, um, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it was maligned when it came out, but let's. Warner was like, let's see if it's maybe like a new generation appreciates it. It was a test market thing. <laughs> it was a test market thing pushed by Matt Reeves to see whether or not his idea for the next film is going to work. You laugh, but like uh, episode one just celebrated its 20th anniversary like yesterday, I think. Yeah. So that movie's um, better than Batman and Robin. And there's, there's a generation of kids who grew up with those that yeah. like. A, uh, approve of those more than the original trilogy. Actually, that's fair. So that's Batman and Robin might yeah. have, and they have a good point because none of those movies are as good as the Last Jedi. <laughs> so <laughs> that's unfair. Come at me, it, bro! It, in every way possible. <laughs> Speaking of DC, I I pulled it together and I started watching Titans again. <laughs> oh wait, uh, wait, Titans, Titans, like fucking DC Titans. Universe. Rated R. Fuck Batman Titans. Um, needlessly <laughs> dropped F-bombs and uh, horrible digital blood. So I, I, I hate to off-track you, but I was watching this YouTube video this week. And, and <laughs> they, referenced, they referenced the, the fact that there is an episode of Teen Titans Go in which the Teen Titans, the, 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 the animated Teen Titans, envision their own version of a film version of them where it's where everything is dark and gloomy and it is basically everything from the titans show like it's a lot of them but they're like four times was created or i yes no i believe so i mean this is like an older episode of of teen titans where they're all pretending to be like like dour and gloomy and they're like making up what it would be like if they had their own movie and then it is titans anyway you can go look okay people can go look that up well how's titans uh still really tough to listen to uh, <laughs> the dialogue because you're not watching it you just have it on in the background it's on the other monitor when i'm editing yeah um so like yeah so the dialogue's still horrible the seat and they they drop edgy stuff just to justify it being an edgier show like people will swear and it just feels out of place like they're just trying to because it's only available on like the DC platform, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in the fight scenes, there's just awful digital blood that is cartoonish, um, stands out a lot. And then back to the writing, though, I finally paid attention to the credits as I was watching it. And sure enough... <laughs> the only time you looked at the screen was the credits. <laughs> uh one of the writers is Akiva Goldsman, who wrote Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and then somehow got an Oscar for A Beautiful Mind. So, yeah. Um, I like A Beautiful so, Mind, but not for so the So after script. Batman and <laughs> yeah. Robin and Batman Forever, Warner Brothers said, yes, continue writing <laughs> DC superheroes. <laughs> That's Lo- Under yeah. the radar on our platform. We have this, yeah, yeah, we have this thing we're going to launch our own platform for that's really going to be our own, like, CW's got our stuff over here that is also champion week but like here's this sh- this we're gonna really go forward and we want the person who's gonna move us forward to be the guy who made us the laughing stock of hollywood mm-hmm. i mean i, I mean, guess they, pro- they probably blame schumacher more than anybody oh yeah but maybe not i think chris o'donnell because they're mean it's a team effort but i mean yeah th- it starts with the script so 
Right. Someone sat down and said, okay, we start with a Good rocket. Enough. Let's do it. <laughs> How about Mr. Freeze falls from a rocket? Hey, wait, guys. Really, all is... these are ice puns. Let's, let's roll. <laughs> guys, guys, I have the best line that Batman's ever said. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Maybe maybe that's the th- maybe for that movie all he turned in was a list of jokey ice puns and was like here's my script it's four pages here's my treatise <laughs> um and then the story I I really can't tell you like where it's going it just yeah. uh is there like a main villain of the series not that I can tell yet are they're, they're even hinting at well right now there's like a group of uh like a nuclear family Nuclear. Nuclear. Damn it, I said it the wrong way. <laughs> nuclear it's a, it's family. George Bush. It's the Bushes. No, it's uh, mom and dad, uh, brother, sister, and they're sadistic, uh, but they like live in a 50s-style world. Um, okay, I, can't, I haven't figured out yet. When you say nuclear family, do you mean they're a... Except nuclear the family they're all closely related <laughs> or do you or mean like blast irradiated <laughs> no like that's the term for like the traditional yeah okay yeah yeah so you just mean unit. it's a family yeah, yeah. It, there's a family they live in some kind of 50s-esque place yeah and something they weird is going present, on but... suburbicon but they're very blast from a pasty yeah ish yeah. yeah um and they're also murderers <laughs> Okay. Um, Ooh. So they seem like, all friendly, but they, as a group, like to yeah, serial they're out kill. to kill people. Yeah. Oh, serial yeah. mom. Gotcha. So right. they're chasing down Rachel Roth for I don't know what reason yet. Um, serial and, killing. Yeah. Well, no, they don't kill her. They capture her, and then um, Starfire comes by and rescues her, and and then serial the kills t- the serial killers. She kills the dad. Okay, good. Well, one at a time, you know. Incinerates him. Don't, don't, and don't then the judge them all. Are like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, and right at this point, that none of the Titans really know each other except for uh, oh. Dick Grayson and Rachel Roth, because Dick Grayson's a cop and he's trying to okay so protect her because she's losing control of her powers. So they gotta, they have to get trouble. the team together. The team doesn't start together. Right. Okay. Hmm. So, so far it's just, yeah, been Rachel Roth. And then, yeah, Starfire comes. I, I, I haven't been able to follow her story because um, she's kind of a murderer, too. Are they going with a version of Starfire that is. I don't know a fun, lot about. The fun Titans and. No, but is it, you'll know the answer to this one. Is, the, is their version of Starfire the fun and bubbly and adorable version that kids enjoy or the hypersexualized version that then writers turn her into as an adult in an offensive way that's really disappointing to little girls who might like her as a kid let me make sure because um, actually no one really says they're it's Corey. is that starfire i don't know she's the one Coriander. that uh she's orange and she like has i don't know i'm not the dc guy i don't know either i, on, I only know this from the outside because they don't use their Superhero names. The, she's got like Robin. power. She's not Raven. She's not the one who has the powers of darkness. Yeah, but I don't know she's if the one a, that like has lasers. She definitely has like fiery hair. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's got to that. be her. Anyway, um, so yeah, I don't know where all this is going. Uh, and then uh, Robin's trying to pawn off uh, Starfire on Hawk and Dove, which I think are characters they made up for the series. And they're kind of like uh, aging superheroes. That okay, yeah, they're that's their version of Starfire. Okay, right? yeah, okay, yeah. We gotta clear that up. Okay. Yeah. I just remembered a, another bad line from Batman Robin. Rubber lips are immune to your charms. <laughs> so you'd you'd recommend it? <laughs> no, I. I mean, I'm gonna get to the end just to see 
like if there is a place it's going uh, i think i'm on like episode five now to 12 hmm. so uh, you get it for free though right i get it for free so oh, like, there you go i'm not gonna complain too much um not probably travel doing patrol let's see what else i watched i rewatched rollerball from 2002 i think brad Shh. what's going on how yeah. can we help you i canceled my prime membership and i'm watching <laughs> everything on prime really fast oh that's funny that i so yeah this was terrible when and I watched it. And this is the it. best thing on Prime you can find. <laughs> no, like I like revisiting like, okay, like 20 years old me, like 20 years ago me, you know, sees yeah, give it another differently. And it has gotten so much worse <laughs> than I remember it. Like I used to rag on it for the, the night vision sequence. Uh, but the whole movie, like knowing more about filmmaking, it just feels like this fell apart in production and then the producer said like just grab the rest of the footage and we'll edit it together into something so we can release it oh it's like there will be blood and cut our losses <laughs> yeah um fuck you <laughs> yeah like i know the original has like this and this one to some extent uh has a statement to say about uh sports like yeah. getting more violent and therefore accruing more ratings uh, but this really just kind of parrots that, and could have been very prescient in a like for being you know pre reality show TV like yeah. could yeah. have been a thing that like really ended up being uh, smart. Yep, but but was um, not. But I've never seen the original, so I don't know how it really. I don't have anything to really compare it to. It's yeah, James Con. That's all you have to know. Yeah, as far as the message and stuff, but yeah, it's yeah. it's like wow, this is a a huge mess. Um, I watched War Games for the first time. Oh, woo. Uh, which is okay. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a, it's outdated. It's a lot of movie just to say like, Hey, it's really dangerous to have computers in control of all of our nuclear weapons. Yeah. It's a movie you have to very much take from its time mm-hmm. because I, one of the great best things about it is that like their version of freaking in that movie is accurate. Like it's one of the most accurate versions of like, computer hacking, oh, hacking. Okay. of all time yeah it was called freaking at the time because you had to use your phone so it was like freaking with a ph mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it was it that movie is kind of right um when you compare it to the next 20 years of computers and movies yeah you know i like me some matthew broderick it's a fun fun yeah film. I I don't know that I would ever watch it again, but it's like one of those things that's just in film history that I saw when I was probably like 12 or 13 and was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I expected it to be more more fun. Uh, Yeah. But it really is. Like you could just said like, hey, it's really dangerous to have computers control this stuff. And I just be like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And then... The conversation would be over. I agree. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why at the time it was made, that was a big deal. Like it was really cool. Wow, that was a really neat short film, Ma. <laughs> it, it almost ends up going the other way, where at the time kids were like, "Man, I want a computer in my room. This kid can change his grades." Like, you know, yeah. that was that was more entertaining than now. You watch and you're like, "This is stupid." Yeah. You know, if they if they went uh, if they extra, uh, extrapolated more of the being able to change his grades, like. Yeah. Uh, instead of just the the nuclear war angle, I think it would have been probably more entertaining because you get more fun with it. The movie itself is essentially twenty five minutes long. It's that scene at the beginning where yeah. he explains he can change his <laughs> grades, then he hits a button, and then at the end he plays uh, tic tac toe with a computer, and you're like, okay, yeah. All That's right. the other frustrating too. Like, I wish it had a like a real uh, conclusion, like a game you could follow. So, you, like, there were stakes to it because you're just kind of like sitting back and waiting for either. Like I don't know what what it's trying to solve. Like 
right or why they, what they can't hack into like it's it's really unclear if there's more of a like you understood it along with Matthew yeah. Broderick and Dr. Falcon <laughs> so that you were kind of like so you're more invested in it like oh my god Jesus. Dr. Falcon <laughs> yeah Fuck, I haven't seen you know, it just realized in the thing in John Carpenter's thing, Kurt Russell defeats a computer pretty quick. So it's pretty much the movie yeah. War Games in thirty seconds. No, <laughs> it is not. And then the last thing I saw for the first time, which was on Ryan's nineteen eighty nine film selection list, was Major League. Oh, um, is he wrong? Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been on my list. Uh, <laughs> it is like the characters are fun, the humor is fun, uh, but it's rated R. And really, the only reason is because, like, you could have you could have still made that movie without the f f bombs in it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, it, you know, obviously, it did well anyway. But I was just surprised that even it, for that year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like it. Like I think it's uh, it's all of the language. So I think there's like okay, s- yeah, swearing in the subtitles um, for the groundskeepers, and then uh, yeah, some of the characters do, but really nothing else in the movie. It's just straight up. Um, a baseball team and their antics. I wonder if that's one of those times where like they were intentionally making movie like comedies are because there was a better chance you'd get a good audience, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like, like basketball's um, obviously inappropriate, <laughs> way more inappropriate than <laughs> right. major league. Yeah. yeah. I expected major league to be filthy like that. So yeah. And it's really not sure. other than some swearing. Yeah. But it's still rated R. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost for, like for 89, like, you know, vacation. If you took out like, one shot yeah. of of boobs and a couple of f words like that movie would be a PG PG thirteen family comedy. I guess his rant in the car is possibly what makes it even more chord rated R. Yeah, yeah, but that's partially because he <laughs> swears a lot. Like it's also one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Yeah. So other than Moose should have told you up front. So yeah, it's a lot tamer than I expected. Like the antics weren't as zany as some of the stuff we get today. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, James. Um, I went to see The Hustle with Anne Hathaway Why and Rebel Wilson. And you should point um, out that you've never seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I've never seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I know. Okay. Um, That's but, whatever. You're sad. That's fine. Yeah. You know, the wife wanted to go see a movie, and she was like, I want to go see comedy. This thing is out. And let's go see it. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure, whatever. I will go see anything. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. It's lazy as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it it ends um so it does that for you um you got the whole package <laughs> beginning the, middle end yeah even sat through the credit it what's what i was telling brad this it has a stinger sort of like it's got a sec it's got some footage it has footage that they accidentally cut into the credits mm-hmm. um which is just more jokes from a weird joke that doesn't play in the middle mm-hmm. where it just she they're just riffing on this joke that doesn't work very well okay um but there's also some fun parts and stuff. It's mostly just aimless is the problem. Like at any one point, the the purpose for anything that's happening is is unclear, and the characters don't have arcs or or drive. So you know, it's fine. I I wouldn't say anyone should watch it ever. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm not opposed to it being a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'm just like opposed to it being I, bad. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. Like it's That'd not be fair. Like I mean, I loved the concept and like loved the idea of them doing it as a female version of that because it's just like that's kind of what they were that they go for at the end of the original Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is that one of their marks joins their team. Yeah, but 
I just like, and I liked the, the trailer seemed fun, but I was also just like, I, I don't, great... I don't foresee this being well received and sadly it isn't. So yeah. all the best jokes are in the trailer. Um, <sighs> so anyway. I'm probably going to still see it anyway. Cause I like that concept a lot. So yeah, it's fine. And it's I like fine. watching Anne Hathaway it's as fine. of late do comedies. I think she's really fun in comedies. It's fine. Okay. It's all fine. Good. It's fine. It's fine. Watch the original Dirty Brown Scoundrels though. It is a good movie. I will. Yeah. Um, it seemed like it could have been a good movie. Like that's if I can say anything good about the house. That's hustle, what I was hoping when it came it out. It seems like uh, you know if they just put men in it, it would have been. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, because uh, no. Ocean's no. Eight is pretty fun. Um, so, it is. I'm not joking. I still haven't seen it. Uh, so I also got a chance to watch uh, They Shall Not Grow Old this week. Um, what did you think of my movie? Uh, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought like yeah that even though I had seen that moment before. Still, while watching the movie, because they spend that first, like, 15 or 20 minutes showing you just the historical footage, mm -hmm. it sort of tricks you again, so that, that it's almost like this is a documentary with this with this one thing they do that then could work again, because the next time you watch this movie, they're going to spend 15 minutes showing you historical footage, and then when that moment happens and they up-res everything and colorize it and the sound comes in and like people are now looking through the camera at you mm -hmm. like it just works mm -hmm. um really cool and, and you know it's it's not the most interesting documentary like content wise it's a lot of stuff that you've like heard when hearing people talk about war before but what's amazing about it is that it's world war one and you don't hear that from yeah like we've gotten so much war documentary stuff especially about world war two mm -hmm. um that to hear all of this you know interview audio that that you know there's no there is no narration to the film it's just people who were there talking about this experience they had and they've they've tied it together so that it sort of tells this story and walks you through the re the experience of actual people on the ground, um, f sort of from beginning to end, um, is fascinating. And yeah. they sifted through all those audio interviews so well. Like, yeah, that's it's it's you an amazing editing job. Yeah, you don't realize like it's not like there's signposts where they're like, now we're going to talk <laughs> about the section where people were disillusioned because they all showed up at the thing and uh, mm -hmm. and people you know and like, no talking heads, which I enjoyed. Right. Yeah. It just sort of goes. Yeah. And and it is. It's great that there isn't any footage that's not the historical footage because it really makes that footage come alive in a way that, that so often when you're watching a historical documentary, you're just like, yeah, okay, you know, here's some footage here. You really do. They, they kind of make characters out of these people who are in this footage. And it's they drop really cool. you in, like they drop yeah. you in beautifully. Oh, it's, it's really, it's good. an amazing achievement in film restoration. Yeah. And, and the way that, you know, it's not even just that they took footage and colorized it and up it and cleaned it up. The way that they will then like zoom in on parts and move the camera and like they'll make the actual f film itself come alive. Uh, right, that's great. It's 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 on Amazon. You can rent it. It's worth a watch. Everybody should see it. It's I've, only like an hour and a half long. Like I, it's an easy recommend. I've thought about it since I've seen it, and it might be the best Peter Jackson movie I've seen since um, The Hobbit Three. No, I. <laughs> Well, I like those movies, but like if we're talking, if we're talking like in the major leagues here, like oh, this is the best one I've seen since The Lovely Bones. Sure, and The Lovely Bones isn't even the best thing he's done, so I, I think it's better than people give it credit for. Yeah, but. Uh, I also finished the third season of Crashing on HBO, which is Pete Holmes' show, and it's also the um, last season. Which, yeah, uh, though I mean the way it ends is actually 
kind of fine. That's good. Um, but like uh, yeah, I, that show is awesome. I I love what he was trying to do there, and it's mm-hmm. such a refreshing, fun little show. Um, you could almost say it's like his. <laughs> if you were gonna give him a show just like Louis, it's sort of that. Um, but it is through this very particular, like. I don't want to say quirky because I don't want to undermine like Pete Holmes is a really intelligent guy who actually has something to say. And then his comedy almost feels like it can undermine that at times because you feel like, Oh, he's, he's just this sort of clean jokey guy. And then he'll just feed you a little bit of medicine every now and then. And Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh shit. I mean like he's a great comic. Yeah. Like his, his most recent HBO special is, fantastic mm-hmm. um and it is it's because there's those little things where all of a sudden he like he's to- he's spent 35 minutes telling you jokey jokes and then he asks you to tell yourself to to <laughs> there's this great moment in that issue of special where he says okay on the count of three we're all gonna check and see if we need to pee <laughs> and then he makes everybody does it and he goes what just happened and he uses that moment to draw out this very like self-aware aware of who we are as people and that we're all in this place and it's a very unifying cool smart heady borderline spiritual moment like mm-hmm. it's really great uh, but all wrapped up in like this silly kind of joke um, I love him great. because he's such a live wire, but he's so genuine. Like yeah. it's it's not like it's it feels so real that like I and his podcast is amazing. You made it weird is a great podcast. Yeah, um, where he's very earnest and very like sincere. He's a he's a he's a wonderful man to listen to. I wish his show would last longer, but yeah. Um, and you, you think it could because it looks like it's about as cheap as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I also. Finished the third season of This Is Us, so I'm totally caught up on that. Finally, um, it's great. Uh, it's still I, them. I, I, it's one of my favorite shows of you know the last ten years or so. Like it's just incredible. Like mm-hmm. the way that they're able to. Yes, there are times where it, it like it skirts right up against uh, melodrama and then brings itself back. Um, it always gets close and then just just brings itself back. Melodrama, if it's done right, is good. Yeah. Um, even it's it's much like Mandy Moore herself. There are just times where like <laughs> she just gets real close to just being really obnoxious, and then she finds a way back, and you go like, okay, all right, all right. All right. I know I loved Forty Seven Meters Down. Uh, it's really candy <laughs> that I care about. Anyway, uh, and then last thing was I uh, I got a chance to watch Guava Island, um, which is the Donald Glover move movie. It's fifty five minutes long. It's a one hour special. It's a yeah, yeah. It's a thing. It's the Donald Glover thing. If this um, was the seventies, it'd be his one hour special. Yeah. And it uh it's weird. It's cool. It's definitely something that people should check out. I don't know what to even call it because it's like kind of a musical and kind of a folklore tale maybe and and, and a drama. Uh, it's a story. Donald Glover plays a musician on this little island called Guava Island that is um, pretty much run by this big corporation called Red, um, run by a guy named Red. Uh, and Donald Glover um, runs the radio station and also works at the port. And he, uh, Rihanna is his girlfriend, because why not? And um, there's some 
other things going on and all this tension building and stuff like this. And he, he's not a, he's kind of a protest singer. He wants to write a really great song that unifies this whole Island. And, and you can kind of tell like there's this need for rebellion because everybody's kind of oppressed in the, the central tension, which is probably the last thing I'll tell you is that, um, when he throws a concert, people tend to not come to work the next day. Mm. So the guy who's in charge would really like him to not throw concerts. Okay. Um, because people just work every day on this island. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really takes a day off. So um, it's cool. The weirdest thing is when the f- there's there are musical moments in the film. Mm-hmm. The first one is him singing This Is America in the film – much like in a musical, like it's, it's, uh, I don't even know because more melodic. Mus- yeah. Music. Well, musical movies aren't, are neither diegetic nor non diegetic music. They're the people singing songs. And that's what's happening here. Um, where you're hearing music and it happens a couple times like that, where it's, it's like a musical mm-hmm. where people just sort of start singing and dancing together. And there's even points where he's like in the film replicating the, the, um, music video for This Is America in that scene. Okay. Um, and so it's a little off-putting at first, but it's also really cool and just catchy and fun um, and has a whole purpose. Like, he almost draws more attention to what he's trying to sort of say mm-hmm. by using that song and by using that song in this movie. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really cool. Like I said, it's less than an hour long. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, so it's, you know, you can go check it out if you have Prime. Um, so, yeah, anyway. That's what I've been watching. I have one more word we've been watching that has been 30 years in the making. What? I saw The Man Who Killed Don Quixote last night oh, yeah, at right. the uh, Alamo Draft How did House. you forget to talk about that? Um, because I wanted to save it because it's been delayed for so long. Much Is like it okay? That movie. Yeah, it, so if you like Terry Gilliam, you're going to be just fine. Okay. I th- I don't always. I don't like – critics are going to – critics can say whatever they want to say because they are entitled to their opinion. I think that – a lot of them, the ones that I read, were a little harsh given the fact that, rightfully so, this has been like such an ambitious project he's tried to do for years that yeah. there's an expectation that was never going to get fulfilled. No, whatever it is, the movie's perfect. This movie is exactly what I thought it would be if it was made in the 90s with Johnny Depp and John Rushmore. It's literally just another fun, wacky Terry Gilliam movie. Cool. Um I think Adam Driver is actually amazing in it because he's basically playing a person who doesn't want to be in a Terry Gilliam movie that's somehow trapped in a Terry Gilliam movie. And he's never hit a woman. Yeah. So that's um, good, probably yeah. good. Yeah. And anyway, though, the uh, Jonathan Price plays Don Quixote um, all, and the shoemaker who thinks he's Don Quixote. And it's I think it's one of the best Jonathan Price performances I've seen cool. since Brazil. It's like... It, He'll never get an Oscar nomination for it, but if there was a different Just World, I think he should because it's he's the heart of that film. Yeah, and it's like amazing. Like the not all of the film works technically, but it's a Terry Gilliam movie, so I don't expect it all to work on a cohesive level. Sure. Um, and the the biggest thing it accomplishes is how whimsical it is like it 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 very much reminds me of brazil and how how it attempts to do okay. things and i understand why it took as long as it did um it, it, it's a fun time i i also get why it's not being released in a wider stance because it is hard to market this thing sure um but it's much more mainstream than a lot of stuff gary terry gilliam's done so cool but yeah 
I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, this week on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. They took the numbers off. Revenge of the Sith. Three. Yes, this is the third one. Yeah. I don't know. They're all great. Uh, Parabell. <laughs> this week on 4K, uh, The Hidden World, not to be confused with The Fallen Kingdom or the whatever. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How to Train Your Jurassic World. <laughs> Isn't It Romantic? The other Rebel Wilson movie from this year. Which I still want to uh, see. Is out on Blu-ray this week. Uh, the Upside, which I hear fantastic things about that I should probably check out. Did you? Um, wow. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, it yeah. was fine. Um, yeah, no, I've heard a lot of good things. Um, so that's out on Blu-ray this week. Um, there's a John Travolta movie called Trading Paint that looks like goddamn garbage. But I just want to point out it's like a racing movie, right? And it's Trading Paint. Because they're bumping up against each other. Yeah, but like bumping up against each other is not the most interesting use of a title. Like... You know, they're not like... Bumping cars. It's not Days of Thunder. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, I think you could call it bumper cars. Like, you know... Did you see that guy? I totally traded paint with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's dead in the crash well, anyway. That's <laughs> like gearhead slang. Yeah. A lot of the street racers. They're just trading paint. Kelly, yeah. get over here. I was doing 100 and I-25 and I grazed the median and it doesn't matter because I'm awesome. Trading paint. Hashtag trading paint. Oh, I'm going to get a new sponsorship deal. Oh, my God. Uh, out this week from Shout Select is Earthquake. Woo, yeah. Uh, which Fun little 70s disaster flick. Is about an earthquake. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, but it's got a lot of stars in it. The uh, There's a 4K release this week of Crank. Yeah. Not Crank 2, though, right? No. The better of the two? Crank 2 High Voltage is a masterpiece. Why? Tr- keep going. I'm going to turn this mic James. off. Uh, there's a movie called The Seduction. I don't even know why I brought that one up. Uh, um, uh, Warner Brothers Archive has the Shaft, uh, a collection of three Shaft films. The Shaft trilogy. Uh, including Shaft, Shaft's Big Score, A Brand New Caper, and Shaft in Africa. Yep. Uh, you can also get each of those individually. Shaftrica. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, um... <laughs> Then uh, Nixon's got a Kino Lorber, uh, Lorber uh, Blu-ray release this week as well. Um, and then there's a Tommy Lee Jones little Hamilton movie called Black Moon Rising. It's out on Blu-ray this week uh, from Kino as well uh, that I'm only bringing up because I think this is my favorite poster this week because this is just dope. I like that Tommy Lee Jones looks like the head from Wolfenstein, mm-hmm. like the dude from Wolfenstein. Uh, and then there's just Linda Hamilton looking like a, a badass business lady with a gun. Also, there's a flying car. See that black moon right there? It's rising. I'm going to buy back those stocks. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. Like, I want to go see a trailer for this and find out if this movie is... I want this to be the hidden Blade Runner that I've never seen. <laughs> like, I want to find out that there's like an awesome sci-fi isn't, movie. Isn't the first Blade Runner a hidden Blade Runner? A little bit. <laughs> well, it just took them like 25 years to find it. Um, <laughs> and then they made a sequel. So, which anyway. is also now missing. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's Blu-rays this week. Sweet. This week, uh, we went and saw John Wick 3 Parabellum. Uh, Brad, should people see John Wick 3 Parabellum? If you like John Wick a, movies. a movie that's a whole extended action sequence, um, then sure, go see it. Um, I'll, I'll just f- fix this by saying, 
the action is awesome, but there's so much of it for extended periods of time that it was exhausting. I said it was, I told Rafe it was exhausting after we got out. The middle That's so funny. The middle fight sequence, I was like, this this is still going because mm-hmm. it almost there's almost nothing inventive going on. They're just repeating the same stuff, almost like they're padding for time. Um, <laughs> oh. And then the story, boy, I didn't learn anything new. <laughs> um, and I'm introduced to the possibility of, of a fourth one. So I'm like, <laughs> wow, I, I feel like I I just got strung along for two hours like to get to the fourth one so but the action is really cool especially that first fight cool zach should people go see john wick 3 oh absolutely of course it's parabola it's a fucking john wick movie why wouldn't you go see it um i actually like this more than chapter two because i feel like it you're very wrong about john wick movies today no i'm not i'm pretty much right go ahead um my uh my my problem with chapter two is that I felt like things got muddled in terms of its attempt to tell a story. And I think this one is a little clearer, but not by much. Um, I appreciate that the action sequences are as insane. They don't go for broke, in my opinion, because I think you've got to go further into this series for it to go for broke. But I think they do a lot of things to push push whatever boundaries they've already set up in the previous installments. Um, it's fun watching Halle Berry kick ass in that action scene. Um, it's fun watching that final scene in the hotel, even though it was a little tension filled for me. Um, and I appreciated just having fun watching an action flick. And I just, I love that Keanu Reeves is getting to do these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more cause I think there are spoilers and, uh, in, in this whole discussion, but like, in, especially in terms of the action, but sure. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, please uh, go see it. Um, yeah. So I saw this movie properly, which means that I, um, had two beers beforehand and then about 20 minutes into the movie uh, after eating my dinner and having a full Coke Zero mm-hmm. when the film finally like stopped having action and that that's when I was like oh man this is my chance so I went to the bathroom whenever <laughs> they whenever they introduced like Angelica Houston or what, whatever was going on there um, and I came back and then there was just more action to be had Um I think it's like, yeah, if you like John Wick movies, this is one of them and you should see it. If you don't like John Wick movies, this is one of them and you shouldn't, you should go see Endgame again. Uh, the, the reason why Zach is wrong is that I think the action here isn't as cool as the last one and it, mm. but it gets right that it tries to do less story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, that, that's John Wick. Here's the trailer for John Wick, uh, chapter three. You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Wick broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. <laughs> 
Our services still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. You think you can take John Wick? You've got a nasty surprise coming. I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. And so far, you haven't disappointed. We can keep this up as long as you'd like. But this only ends one way. this for what because of a puppy wasn't just a puppy yeah he fights a guy with a belt yes uh that was, that was in a, li- in a fights, library book he fights the dudes from the raid dude i'm never gonna do. be overdue with my library books ever again yeah yeah but like the cool thing about that is he fights a giant guy um like who's, a Matthew McGrory type. <laughs> whose strategy is he's going to put his hand on your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, by comparison to the, like, the Bourne uh, Ultimatum book fight, like, it's not quite as cool. Uh, but still cool. But anyway. Um, um, yeah. I mean, like, I... I So I watched the all three of them in a row at that screening. And so, like, with Chapter 2, like, I don't not like the action. I think the action's great. Oh, yeah. I just, like... Because it's muddling around with all these different story things that it's trying to cram a little too much of. Totally. It doesn't register for me as well as the third one does, where I feel like the action, like, because it's very much isolated on its own, it works better for me. Like, that scene with Halle Berry and Keanu Reeves with the dogs, I think is awesome because it keeps going for broke on that dog joke, which I think is fun. <laughs> that that was a kind of one, of one of the things that I got exhausted with was it was so clearly stunt dogs because every time they would just grab the guy's chest and tug mm-hmm. and i was like no man i need a cg like neck rip like i need a good i i this is cool that it's all practical mm-hmm. like except for when the dogs go flying through the air like i that sequence is so great but i kind of wish there was either less of it it's, or it's, that they got more brutal it's good you pointed out because i was also during the movie there were times when stunt people would wait for the other person to do something yeah. Whereas logically in the story, like that would be a good time to kill that person. Yeah. You have the chance, but they wait for you know the choreographed action to happen, and it's just yeah. like yeah. I mean, I to me, great John Wick. The greatness of John Wick is in the little moments where you're like, man, like in the second one, when everybody's mind is blown when he reaches around and shoves an extra shot, shotgun shell in the in the shotgun, which is not as cool as when he double like he he's there, at the end of this one he's like swiping and putting two shotgun shells in at a time or something weird. Right. Um, like there's these little moments in John Wick movies where like something crazy happens and it just blows you away for a second. And there's some of those in this movie. They're just not, I, you know, they don't stand out as much. I mean, the whole first opening of the second one with the car scene. Oh, it's, it's, fucking it's incredible. fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, again, like I think the, they're all fun to watch. Yeah, the, the dog sequence here is, is Awesome! I think the library sequence is really cool. Um, I and 
there is that weird long the whole part from Angelica Houston to the desert is just like uh, I like watching Angelica Houston in a movie again. I just wish it was something a little different. But I know that they're trying. They're yeah. they're well. They're world building for a spinoff called Ballerina. Which sure. Um, Are they really? Is that a real thing? That's what I. That's what I've yeah, read. It's a TV series. Um, oh okay. yeah. Well, there's one. There's going to be a series called The Continental, which mm-hmm. is going to be like every other assassin living in those ho- in that hotel. I. That's not what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. That's not like we're all on the same page. We're here to watch it's people. Too bad Marvel told like, everybody that cinematic cinematic universes are necessary. The movie, like uh, maybe the other really exhausting part, but but also really fun. Like the movie becomes uh, like a video game, especially in that later section where you get those armored dudes. Well, the whole thing. And he's just he's just like pumping rounds in them, and they're getting back up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy fuck! That's, that, like, see, that's why I do like the world building of this series. Like, hear me out on this. Like. I've heard a couple of like people say like it finally became a full video game, and I'm like, it's been a video game the entire fucking series. Yeah. Like from the moment that you see a bunch of Mario coins hidden in his basement, I'm like, oh, it's a video game. He's got to pay people for information, or he's got to collect coins at some point while he's killing some people. The, like that, the, it's well, a video the, game. The one big difference here, though, is that the first two films, the motivation for everything happening is in the film, mm-hmm. whereas this one, like. The first one, his dog dies. You want him to kill everyone. Right. The second one, a douche shows up and is douchey. You want him to kill everyone. In this one, he killed a guy in the last movie, and everybody is mad because he broke the rules. Mm-hmm. He kind of has to kill everyone. And I think that that makes it lose some momentum. Well, and I... Then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, and then at the end, you find out that a lot of the movie is just... Uh, what's his name? Ian McShane's character? Winston? Um, yeah. His plan to just get his hotel back so yeah. he's not in trouble with the high table. Well, do you. Which, the high table, oh, it's a bunch of dudes in the desert. How do they have, like. Right. No, that's the person in charge of anything. That's the person above the table. But uh, none of that matters or makes sense, or uh, I don't want to spend any time on that. Like, yeah. I, I, I just want him to go to the high table in this movie. Like, I, oh, and just kill him. No, that's going to be the fourth yes, one. You're right. You're right. This movie is a placeholder to what we actually wanted, which was from the end of two, what you kind of want is, oh, now he should go burn everything down. And this movie isn't him doing what we wanted, which is the only way to keep himself from getting murdered is to go... Like, he promises at the end of the last one, I'm going to go murder everyone. And then he doesn't. Yeah, he just finds a way to ask his way out of trouble. Yeah, it would have been better if he had gone and, and used Halle Berry the way he uses Winston and is like, hey... I have this marker. I need you to let me get all the guns, and then I'm gonna go murder everyone. And then the end of the movie is him murdering everyone. But then it still something goes wrong because I do like or taking his own seat at the high table. Like, yeah, I, I guess what I kind of like is this idea that no matter how much he does, he never, as long as he is trying to take vengeance on people, he never actually gets anywhere. Like this whole sort of cycle of like okay if i just if i just murder enough people i'll have murdered everyone and then there just is always somebody else. like this is the movie that ends with him like being like oh man i'm really pissed off are you pissed off john and john's like yeah now i'm pissed off and we're like dude it's been three movies how are you not pissed off yet? This whole movie you is know? about the consequences of relapsing into alcoholism. <laughs> like this, that, that's basically what this series is. He, its consequences is the theme of this third film. If yeah. there are themes in this movie, and 
the like, but when you saw the end of two, we must have saw it differently because I saw the end of two of like, oh shit, it's just gonna be a bunch of assassins coming after him. I had yeah. no expectation of burn it all down. That's what I well, got at the end of this one. But they introduce in the second one this whole idea of there's a high table and there's all these like we know there's rules because of the continental, but they're super vague about it in the second one, right? But you that's know that's why I want the third one to unlock those right. secrets, I, right? Like I want the third. Oh, I don't want them to. I don't want to waste time unlocking secrets. I want to just murder all the people who have the secrets. <laughs> like I just, I want the, I want the movie to be like. You want the arbitrator? Con- learn something constant new along murdering the way. assassins. Yeah, I mean you can have some plot along the way. Um, That's basically what the auditor is, or whatever her her name is. Yeah, is like adjudica- she, adjudicator. The adjudicator. That's basically like the most information we get about the high table. I think yeah. it really. I mean, like these. I mean, I meant what I said in our text thread, which is like, I mean, the, the plot is stupid, but yeah. I'm fascinated by how well it's building a stupid world. Like, it's not like it's just like it's super fun. You know what these movies are. This is what I think everybody wanted the Matrix movies to be after the first Matrix, but that's not what they got. Well, even I'm after, not wrong. Oh. I'm not wrong on that. Well, even after the second one, you know, I was excited because it uh, presented the premise that everyone in the city is an assassin that would be chasing him. But this movie isn't yeah. that either. It's the adjudicator yeah. sending a select few against him. So. Yeah. Well, that anticipation the, is gone. Well, for the yeah, first twenty true. minutes, it's anybody going after him. Well, no, the first twenty minutes is the hour he has to prepare. Right then, then it should have been, hey, the rest of this movie is lots of assassins coming after him. And well, no, because even the even the the uh, sushi guy and his and his ninjas, like the modern ninjas, who I think are cool, mm-hmm. like yeah. their their whole thing of like we're basically ninjas, but with this sort of modern day twist is is awesome and a cool part of the movie but they're not they're you're right they're not there because he's got seven million or 14 million dollars on his head they're there because the adjudicator comes and hires them to go do it because she calls in their loyalty no i know but brad's point is the end of the last movie was every assassin is going to want to kill him Mm -hmm. and then that isn't this movie and there's some people like meh (laughs) i still want to make sure sushi yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I, i mean i think the idea that he's got some friends who kind of want to help him or at least aren't going to move against him makes sense. Like, you want that, but, yeah. Also, another action sequence we didn't really talk about in the historical weapons museum <laughs> with the axes and shit. Oh, yeah, with the that, knives. That, the right. knives scene. That's what I meant by the, the first one, but I guess it's the second one. No, the biggest laughs that I saw in that, <sighs> yeah. it, uh, that I heard That's in that true. movie were when knife, knife, knife. Yeah, she's, it was just brutal it was it was intense and you and you get the you know maybe this movie's pencil to the neck which is that guy getting the eye to the the the, the knife to the eye yeah um and i love how they all use right the, up at the beginning and the concierge being utilized finally for an action scene i thought that was yeah, fun that was cool um and the whole shotgun section is is fucking brutal but exhausting is 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 lawrence fishburne to Shitty? Um, yeah. No, he's not. Shut up. He's pretty, fun. He's pretty shitty. He and knows exactly re- what he's doing. Poorly written, poorly executed, not very that's interesting why he, in this movie. That's why he knows hated, exactly what he's doing. Hated every he's moment the, he's on screen. Sydney's filled with assassins tease for the fourth movie. Yeah. Fuck. Jason Manzoukas. Be- best part of Lawrence Fishburne in this movie is Jason Manzoukas in this movie. Yes. TikTok. Like, yeah, like, I wish they had murdered... I was glad when they murdered Lawrence Fishburne because I thought maybe they would give his job to fucking Manzoukas. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah. I have more fun with this than you guys, apparently. But no, 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 no. We're allowed to not like it. Because, again, I didn't this say, movie I didn't is great. I didn't allowed to like it. This movie is You're great really for, for it, like, what it's supposed to be. I really liked be. it. Like, I, hey, I really like this movie. The storytelling is fucking dog shit awful. Agreed. The action <laughs> is the reason I'm there. My problem is, uh, it's not quite as good as two. Like, mm. these movies are great. I will go see a fourth one. Oh, yeah. These movies are great. Okay. The no. world is stupid. No. They need to have less of that. And, like, the next movie just needs to be, like, no, literally, they just killed his, they, they, I don't know, his dog this time. Also, the Ray guys at the end, plenty of chances to kill John Wick, and I guess yeah, they don't they out don't. of respect. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Which mm-hmm. kills the tension of the it fight. Does. It does. So I'm like, well... I guess Wick's just going to win because they're not going to kill him. Even out of how cool the belt moment is, it takes something out of that because they just let him go. Like, There's too much meta in that moment where they're like, I get it. Yeah. They're the guys from the raid. I fucking yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And how many times did Wick fall backwards into a thing of glass? That oh, that was, that was great. <laughs> that was Though he never took... It's one of those w- where it gets funnier if you do it 20 times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, it, but it wasn't... The the fact that he never got a chance to take a crystal skull and smash yep. it into somebody's head, yeah, is, that was lost it, opportunity. Is the metaphor of missed opportunities that is John Wick three? Yeah, like it. That is exactly you know because um, even the TikTok Mister Wick isn't executed in this movie. Like that isn't what this movie ends up. It doesn't. Being. It, it's it's not the race against time. Yeah, like this should have been the, the John Wick comes home. The the Jason Bourne comes home. Yeah. moment of he's got he just he just has to get across the city to Halle Berry and he's got to fight through. Like if it had been kind of like that sequence with Common where they're shooting at each other in the train thing, but it was that where he's. Because even in that one, he ends up killing, like, that's when the pencil thing is. Like, if it was that where he's just randomly killing assassins for the first hour yeah. as he tries to get to Halle Berry to get some help. Or he's, like, in the middle of some kind of safe lull in the fight, and all of a sudden someone you don't expect to be an assassin shows up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, we needed less story and more, like, this was one where you set up you set up the movie in the last one. So all you had to do was tell us, Okay, his idea is to get over there, and there's people who want to kill him everywhere. How the like? Anyway, if I had to pick, it's a, really fun. He murders a lot of people. I will say that that whole man above the high table walking through the desert thing was my least favorite part of this film. Oh, yeah. I don't. I didn't need it. I needed him to just go back and face the adjudicator. That's all I fucking need. That scene made me wish I had to pee again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and well, I will say this though: like that movie is way too fucking long, though. Like the the first one is a slick hour and forty minutes. The second one's just about two hours, which is yeah. fine. This one didn't need an extra ten minutes. Yeah, no. and I, that's my especially biggest, for less story. That's the biggest mark I have against it. Like I don't need two and a half hour movies every time. It does, never. Not everything has to be Avengers. <laughs> Speaking uh, of missed opportunities, when he finally kills Sushi Guy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and. Fun. Who's fun because he's like I'm, you know, I'm such a fan. I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna get through this. And then uh, his response is just, "No, you won't." Like, it was a great <laughs> yes. spot for one liner that, yeah, yeah, wasn't it great. Isn't there? Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like oh. two where he's like, "Sure." <laughs> also missed opportunities. You know, after three of these movies, when he's out in the desert and they give him, they give him the opportunity of a bath. I really wanted John Wick's hair to get less greasy, like. <laughs> I, oh, that's never going to happen. It's part of why it's exhausting is to just look at how gross he is right now. 
Like, because especially they remind you in the movie that it's basically been like a week and a half since his dog died. Yep. Like, all of this just keeps happening. He should have taken a shower. It would have been great if the third act of this movie started with him looking cleaned up and nice and then ended with him covered in blood and sweat. Um, but anyway, uh, we Ryan texted a review really quick, which was uh, my review of John Wick 3. Awesome fight scenes. Uh, the world building and actual script are not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every John Wick movie, though, um, fun and fun, but flawed. Four out of five. So the the script is not good. Four out of five stars. <laughs> Agreed. Which is it's, yeah. Which is exactly but, right. But I'm eternally fascinated with that world. So oh, I don't know. Like it, that's it is literally just, just a me thing. <laughs> I just hope they come up with like like I think Atomic Blonde is a better John Wick movie than John Wick Three. I which actually is too bad. I actually agree. Yeah. And I haven't rewatched Atomic Blonde in a while. You should. I love the. It's film. pretty good yeah. from what I remember of it. But. So, this world is hotels and no police. <laughs> yes. All hotels and no police. I do love that the uh the like super elite guards at the end show up in a Greyhound bus. Yeah. Like, like which they were kind that of was, underwhelming. I wish that that was that scene cooler. was I, I that scene was tough to watch cuz it's just like they they it's the, it's, it's all neon, it's very dark and like I don't like those scenes usually to begin with. Yeah. Like they make me nervous but like Fuck! Was, like, thank, thankfully, it ends at some point. We get back to bright lit rooms where he's kicking ass. It was also a little less stylistic. Like the first and second one, you have more of those like, you know, cool club scenes and like some f- some fun, interesting environments for them to be fighting in. That's where the second one like, shines. <laughs> yeah, um, this one, yeah, just is not quite as it's good. Relentless. You get that underwater that murder was though. Fun. That was brutal. <laughs> um, um, that was brutal. Yeah, like, but again, sushi guys standing right there. Oh yeah! Oh no! Yes! No! There's yeah. The, Only the, has himself to blame. You're watching the movie to watch John Wick murder people. It yeah. is. This is a happy, good time murder simulator video game. If you, like, that's just what it is. If you want these stories to get better, which they should get better somehow, like that's why the TV show would be a good idea because you'd probably get writers outside of who's doing the movie world. I don't want the story to get better. I want it to be less. Like really? the reason I come to these movies is yeah, like the him murdering people is the stupid story of Fantastic 4, like or, or uh, Fast and Furious. Like oh, okay. the a reason I'm here is to watch John Wick murder people with good intention, well choreographed. Okay. Like that's what these movies are. That's fair. Uh, I don't yeah, I mean, if you you know, infuse it with a whole bunch of silly all you get is Angelica Houston getting her hand stabbed. I don't know what's happening. Like, and maybe this, maybe I'm saying unfair. Yeah, you could go put a good story in here. They seem ill-equipped to do that. Oh yeah, no, because so, that's not their focus, right? Which is fine. So if that's not what they're gonna do, I don't need it. Like, the problem with the first movie was everybody was like, "What the fuck is this coin shit?" And then like, you know, because it's a video, used game. to it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, John Wick three. What do we say next week? John Wick 4? I think it's Aladdin. Um, yeah. Or Brightburn. Yeah. The problem with Aladdin is it's getting good reviews. So let's People go People are saying Burn. it's not that bad. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I want to I want to see both of them. Now, mm-hmm. there is a, like, 35% chance that birth happens between now and then. So you guys just decide what you're saying. And maybe Wait, the I'll Nicole be there. Kidman movie Birth? Yeah. Like okay. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How is that going to happen again? Um, I'm just kidding. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, cool. 
Cool, cool. Um, yeah, right right or yeah, Brightburn. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever. See us at Denver Pop Culture Con live Saturday, five thirty. Come yeah. get a pint glass and a T-shirt at our booth. Yeah. yeah. Come do an interview. Why not? Awesome. We bought uh, protective boxes, so you don't have to worry about your glass being crushed in your bag. You're welcome, America. <laughs> look cool. People will come by and be like, what's in that cool box you got? And you'll be like, take a look inside. Let me see your coin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we should have challenge coins if, made. If you want <gasps> a T-shirt cool. and a cup or and a glass, you've got to have a marker. You yeah. can't have uh, just a coin. We need we need to sell Real Nerds Challenge coins. That'd be awesome. Uh, actually, speaking of Pop Culture Con, uh, this just came in. Uh, we're moderating some panels. Oh, wow. Um, so, Is this an email requesting that we moderate panels and you're assuming that we're going to do it, them? It, no, it's the follow-up. We have the schedule. Oh, okay. We've been assigned. Uh, we, uh, some, one of us will be moderating the Magicians panel at 1130 on Saturday. And then... Uh, Dan Fogler spotlight, twelve thirty on Saturday. Hmm. Hmm. So that will definitely be two different people, two different two different nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lana Perilla, Perilla spotlight from um, Once Upon a Once Time. Upon a time. time. Yeah. One p.m. So a third nerd. Holy crap! Um, all all on Saturday. All on Saturday. Then our our own show five thirty, obviously, and then on Sunday, uh, Cooper Andrews. From Shazam and Walking Dead at 3 oh, p.m. Hmm. So cool, crazy. We will have to figure out how or if that's not going it. to work. Yeah, I, not right. it. I, I may, I, may I, not even be there. I have to think long and hard because I got really anxious yeah. and nervous. So, but I she guess said, I'll end up doing it. I'm just yeah. There, there's still there's, doing them, so it's you and. It's Ryan. It, I mean, by, if it's just me and Ryan day. doing them, then right by the by the day, the chances I'm there is getting less. <laughs> so, but we'll see. I mean, um, my well, my highest priority is that I'm there for the show. Henry's trying to come, so yeah. we'll he's see. maybe. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. My biggest priority is that I'm there for the live show, and then I guess whoever does the first one could do the third one, right? Because enough time will pass that so you could get across, right? Yeah. I just I, as long as I know what I'm talking about on the panel, I'll be fine. Because I, I had that issue come up last year. So. Right. Yep, do your research. We'll, with we'll, one, well, it was only with one of them. Two of them, I was fine. The yeah. thir- the, the, the the middle one I did, I got thrown into it last minute. So yeah, I want to make sure that I actually know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Either way, it'll work out. Yeah. But anyway, cool. Thanks, guys. John Wick. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.